call out the National Guard. Over the past two years, the pandemic has hammered American schools and accentuated the staffing shortages they are facing. It's led to enormous problems with teacher morale, burnout, school closures, and learning losses. And teaching shortages have been particularly acute this year during surges of the virus. Amna Navaz looks at that problem and the larger state of teachers' emotional health. Districts around the country have struggled with staffing shortages of all kinds, including a lack of substitute teachers and support for special education. This winter, New Mexico became the first state to activate the National Guard to help fill in and teach at schools. Even though the pandemic has eased considerably, there were more than 50 National Guard troops working as substitutes across 27 school districts in the state this week. We spoke with school staff about this unusual arrangement. I am Dr. Cindy Sims. I am the superintendent of Estancia Municipal Schools. We are a small school district, 542 kids. We're located about an hour southeast of Albuquerque. I'm Simon Hammond, and I'm with the 615th Transportation Battalion in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And for four weeks in January, I was stationed at Aztec Middle School, Aztec, New Mexico, teaching math, some Navajo language, and biology. My name is Adri Flavian Quen, and I teach um, English and college success at Santa Teresa High School in Santa Teresa, New Mexico, which borders El Paso, Texas. Um, I've been teaching in education for 17 years. Across the nation, not just in New Mexico, education systems are realizing a shortage of staffing. And it's been happening pre-COVID. So when we got our National Guardsmen in January, it was some just-in-time help that we needed. We all received text messages from our unit readiness officers and uh, just like, oh man, there's just loads of uh, messaging backwards and forwards, everyone in the unit, like, oh man, they're really going to do this, really going to send us to a school? These guys are crazy. When we first heard that the National Guard were going to be um, asked to be substitutes, obviously some teachers were very apprehensive. You know, it was something out of a dystopian novel. This is just a substitute with a different, a different attire on. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Corona takes lesson plans home, reviews them the night before. She's very well prepared. She is fully licensed, qualified, background checked. So she just, she just does a phenomenal job. And it allows us to provide that continuity and consistency for our kids in person. The students were interesting at the beginning. I mean, you walked in in your uniform and it was, there was a lot of like, God, kind of faces where they were just like, oh man, they're sending the army in. But they had lots of questions and we were able to get through you know, discussions with the students pretty quickly in the first couple of days. And I think that, you know, calmed everybody down. They realized we were just like most other substitute teachers they had coming in and everyone was able to relax a little bit. It was a, a, a great idea and a great solution to a very challenging problem. Teachers were a little reluctant that, that the guardsmen come on campus with uniforms, but, you know, that almost helped because it commanded respect. Uh, kids were kind of in awe of them and um, they were very disciplined and helpful. The difference that one person can make on your campus when you're struggling is profound. The ability to have another set of hands and a person who's committed to our kids when we're out of hands, we're how to support, made all the difference in our, in our community and in our school. The students were great. I think the parents were really supportive. I 
teachers at the schools were just fantastic in helping us. Um, I think it, it, you know, when we left, we got this huge thank you card from the students. Every everyone in the school had signed it. It just felt like we, uh, you know, had a bit of relationship with the students. Now, while some states use National Guard to backfill in other ways, like school bus drivers, New Mexico appears to be the only state to use them in the classroom. But teacher shortages are an issue around the country. Becky Pringle is the president of the National Education Association, which represents three million educators. It is the largest labor union in the country. Becky Pringle, welcome to the news hour. Thanks for making the time. I just want to get your reaction to what we just saw and heard there. Um, teaching staff and guard troops clearly making the best of the situation. But if we see another surge, if shortages worsen, do you see more states doing that? It's good to be with you, Amna. As I listen to the educators and the superintendent, talk about the fact that this is not a new problem. This is chronic, and we've been seeing the, the rise in educator shortages, our teachers, nurses, counselors, bus drivers, food service workers, all of them, for almost a decade and a half. And so we've been sounding that alarm. But as with everything else, COVID-19 exacerbated that with uh, the increased number of educators who were leaving the profession, as well as the overwhelm, the lack of, of educators in the classrooms. Uh, so we're not surprised that there are, are people like Governor Lujan Grisham who were looking at short-term solutions, which we know are, are absolutely essential to fill those gaps, but we have to be looking long-term because this issue is not going away and it will worsen if we don't do something about it. Well, let's talk about what teachers are going through because you asked your members uh, how they're doing. And here are some highlights from the result of your winter survey. Of the teachers surveyed, about 74% they had had to fill in for colleagues or take other duties due to staff shortages. 90% said they were feeling burned out and that it was a serious problem. 55% said they plan to leave their job sooner than planned because of the pandemic. Uh, Becky Pringle, that was in the winter, right? We were in the middle of this massive Omicron surge. Do those numbers get better as the pandemic numbers get better? Um, I just uh, was in Kentucky and I was hearing the same kinds of stories from those educators as I heard from the educators in New Mexico when I joined them for their rally. And what they're saying to us is that while they need immediate, uh, uh, we need to address the immediate concerns and fill those gaps right now, what they are looking for is long-term solutions from a respect of them as professionals, so the professional rights and autonomy. And what Governor Lujan Grisham did in March, March 1st, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, after the legislature voted uh, with every member of the legislature, whichever party they were in, voting in favor of raising teacher salaries. Uh, and not only did they raise teacher salaries, but other educators' salaries uh, as well, because they know that for them to solve this problem long term, they've got to invest in their educators. They've got to listen to the concerns that they've had for years and they've got to make those changes long term. So let me ask you about what's happening in Minneapolis right now, where the teachers are on strike asking for better pay and better benefits. And the district basically says, look, enrollment is down and so are budgets. Schools have been closed there for three weeks. How much longer do you think they'll stay closed? 
We know that our local affiliate MFT, the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers, is working very, very hard. And by the way, it's not only our teachers, it's our support staff, too, who are fighting to make sure that they have safe and secure schools. And we know that they are working with the reality that the school district has and the state has had a surplus, as well as the American Rescue Plan money that has come to the school district. What they are asking is that they use that money to ensure they have have smaller class sizes and that they can attract and retain educators so our students get the quality education they deserve. So funding seems to be at the heart of a lot of this. And the question a lot of people have is Congress in those three COVID relief bills basically gave out $190 billion for public and private schools, most of which it appears have made their way to school districts. So did any of that go towards any of these concerns? Absolutely. We have seen in those school districts where educators and their unions and parents and students, administrators are working together. They have developed a collaborative plan that is making use of the of those funds. And we've seen them use them to help to hire nurses, counselors, which we know we need, and mental health experts. We've seen them use them to partner with organizations within the community. We've also seen them use, use those funds to begin the steps to build community schools so that we can support our students, we can support that whole student with all of the needs uh, that they that they have. We have had to continue to fight to make sure that those funds were, are used in the manner that they are intended so that we can provide more educators, more resources, more supports for our students. That is Becky Pringle, president of the National Education Association, joining us tonight. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I know some non-white people who would say there are white people who are not smart, uh, I, in fact, just heard of them. A whole lot of them, and they are correct. I'm going to join right in before you even go that way. Yes, yeah, a whole lot of white people who mm -hmm. don't know a whole lot of things. But mm -hmm. you you know what? Under the system of white supremacy, they know enough. Because they don't have to know. And what is that enough? Something I heard a white woman say one time. <laughs> bunch of black people were, were laughing at her because they were laughing at the way that she dressed. Mm. He was talking about how tacky she was at the way that she dressed. This was on a job that I was on. Mm. They were getting on the elevator, and they were just they were cracking up at the way that she was dressed because she was dressed in what most people would say in an outlandish manner, just outlandish, okay, like she had gone out of her way to attract a whole lot of Laughter, okay. But she heard them laughing at her. And she turned around and said one thing. Yes, but I'm white. And walked off. <laughs> wow. In other words, y'all can laugh at me and dress in all your fine clothes and all like that. But I can do things that you will never do in your entire life. I can wow. go places. I got connections that you will never have. No matter, your children will never have. That's what she was saying. That was back in the 60s. Those black people on that elevator got dead quiet. Wow. Because they knew that she was telling the truth. Say, yeah, I can dress any cotton-picking way I want to. <laughs> but you got no right to laugh at me. Because when you look at my overall circumstances and yours 
No contest. <laughs> That's what she was wow. saying in just that one statement. Now, she didn't say all that. She just made one statement. But I was standing nearby. I knew exactly what it meant. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but I'm white, you know. I don't have to dress no kind of way. I don't even have to have clothes on. Elastic waistbands, messy ponytails, bonnets, and unwashed t-shirts. Some of us working from home have definitely let some things go over the past few years. Definitely the biggest thing that's changed for me is I have abandoned the bra entirely. I can't wear I can't wear it anymore. I'm not doing it. Sav Thorpe is a political campaign manager, and before getting rid of her bra, she says she was leaning in hard to what researchers call the Zoom mullet. Yes, you heard that right. There's apparently science behind all this. Okay, the Zoom mullet is business on top, stretchy pants below. You know, the idea is just more more formal on the top. That's what you see on Zoom. And then whatever you want below and, you know, hopefully nothing that, that buttons or is restricting. That's Rachel Feinzig. She's the work and life columnist at the Wall Street Journal, and she dug into this topic. Rachel found that an interesting thing happened when people dress more casually for work. When they wore comfortable clothes, it did boost workers' feelings of authenticity and engagement. So they were kind of more immersed in their work, more present. I mean, they were they were better at their jobs. She talked to a number of people who said it was true. I talked to someone who said that her productivity doubled. I mean, she she works in the mortgage space and can kind of track how many mortgages she's processing a day. She was wearing bodysuits. She over the pandemic, she collected like 30 different bodysuits and she would sleep in them and then get straight up, grab a cup of coffee and without changing, you know, walk over her to her desk and work and she she just told me she she was so much more engaged in her work. Sav said that dressing the part had had great significance as a woman of color. In the before times, when I was thinking about like getting dressed and going to work, I definitely had a very clear picture of professionalism that was really important to me. So even on school board races, when I would show up to things, it was important to me that people took me very seriously. So I wore a lot of like pencil skirts and button up shirts. And I was almost always in ballet flats because to me, they never went out of fashion. But she said the pandemic helped her to just let all of that go and it may work more enjoyable. She even had a frank conversation with her boss about it. I mentioned to him when we started the campaign, I'm like, look, you know, I think maybe I'm never, ever going to wear a bra again. And he was like, is this something you want to discuss with me? I'm like, yeah, I really do want to discuss it with you because you're the candidate. This is your campaign and I don't want you to feel embarrassed. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page with the image and your comfort level and all of that good stuff. And he was like, listen, dog, I am primarily worried about closing the 5,000 unit affordable housing gap in our city. You can wear whatever you want. Dr. Christine Nguyen, a physician from San Jose, California, kept going into work during the pandemic, but said her attire definitely changed over that time. A couple of years ago, it used to be professional shoes, maybe work slacks, a nice top, you know, things that had to be dry cleaned. Christine also said she dreaded wearing scrubs before the pandemic because they felt uncomfortable and too casual. But now that's all she wants to get into. I think that from here on out, um, I'm going to keep on wearing scrubs because it seems like the most cost-efficient, kind of time-efficient way to dress. And, you know, if my scrubs get dirty, if someone, you know, there's fluids on it, then I can just change into an exact same outfit instantly. And what about those of us going back to an actual office? 
So I talked to one expert who told me he feels like the kind of things that you see people wearing on Zoom are just going to become acceptable in the office. So like a sweatshirt that's more tailored, that has a bit of a lapel, tennis shoes, you know, maybe some kind of athleisure wear. I mean, I don't think people are going to be rolling in in pajamas, but I think there's a sense that we've gotten used to dressing like this. It's become acceptable. And also the the way that we live our lives is is just different. So whether it's better productivity, efficiency, or just because it feels good, go ahead and feel free to keep wearing those sweats. That was Rachel Feinzig, Dr. Christine Nguyen, and Tab Thorpe. The Olympics got underway. Simone Biles was like, hey, I ain't okay. Take care of your mental space. Just a heads up, this next story discusses suicide. For the past few years, healthcare workers have kept working without a break through surge after surge of the pandemic, through countless deaths and endless staffing shortages. A recent study tracked the toll taken on their mental health, and it found a majority of American healthcare workers reporting symptoms that include depression and thoughts of suicide. In January, a traveling ICU nurse working in California's Bay Area went missing, and that's become a wake-up call for other nurses to address the growing crisis. NPR's Ritu Chatterjee has their story. Joshua Paredes knew his friend Michael O'Dell was struggling. Michael had worked as an ICU nurse during the pandemic, moving between stints at hospitals in California and Minnesota. Joshua, who's also a nurse, says it's not that his friend complained about anything, but... The stories that he told me that I kind of really started to notice that he's struggling. Like having to ask family members of vulnerable patients to leave. I don't know if you've ever had to try to kick out one of those family members, but it's not easy. I have. It's a hard thing to tell somebody you need to leave, and that takes a toll. He says Michael also talked about having to watch so many patients die alone. He was these patients, everything. He was there when they're dying, which is what we do. It's what we do, but it's not something we do every day, all day. Something we're not stealing up body bags every day. And that's what the last couple of years have been like. And then Michael suffered two big personal losses last year. He and his boyfriend split up and his mother died. He was in Minnesota at the time and getting treated for depression. Joshua didn't want his friend to be alone at such a vulnerable time. So basically, I was just like, come to San Francisco. So last November, Michael moved in with Joshua and started a stint at Stanford Health. He seemed to be coping okay, but then on the morning of January 18th, when Joshua came home from work around 7.30, Michael wasn't there. When he didn't respond to text messages and didn't answer his calls, Joshua called Michael's workplace. That's when he learned that his friend had left the ICU sometime around 4 a.m. to get something from his car, but he never came back. John LeBlanc is a nurse and a close friend of Michael's. When I found out that he left mid-shift, My first thought was, he's in crisis, because it's totally, completely out of character for him. Two days later, the authorities found Michael's body. While the investigation into his death is still ongoing, his friends think he died by suicide. It was a shock, and it's still kind of, um, you know, it's still something we're grappling with. Michael's death has reverberated throughout the nursing community. Again, his friend Joshua Paredes. There's been people that have reached out to me that I don't even know, that didn't know Michael, that just want me to know, like, I worked on this unit, I experienced this. One person told me his coworkers had to wheel him to the emergency room from the ICU at that hospital because he was having a, a breakdown. A study published in January found that over 70% of healthcare workers in the United States are struggling with symptoms of depression and anxiety, nearly 40% with symptoms of PTSD. 
But Joshua says, We don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of shame involved in it. But word of Michael's disappearance and then his death seemed to break that wall of silence. It felt personal to healthcare workers, like nurse Sarah Warren in Florida. It's only a matter of time before this happens to another nurse. Sarah's had her own mental health struggles after working with COVID patients. I'd actually forgotten large pieces of 2020, and I had to speak to a therapist about this. And they told me that I most likely was suffering from symptoms of PTSD. Sarah didn't know Michael, but after she learned about his death, she connected with his close friends. They all wanted to take their grief and turn it into action to address their colleagues' mental health needs. We're in the process of hopefully creating a mental health movement dedicated to his memory, but also to those nurses that we've lost, not only in the last two years, but in the last few decades. She says nurses have long been at a higher risk of suicide than the general population. She and Michael's friends want to change that. They know it's a huge task, and one that requires big investments from hospitals and lawmakers. But they also want to support nurses as soon as possible. Doctors have a dedicated crisis number they can call. They realized it was time that nurses and certified nursing assistants, or CNAs, had a number to call too. Our goal is to create a you know peer-to-peer -peer support line, almost like we're saving ourselves, where nurses and CNAs would be able to um, call a phone number and receive a listening ear, and it's someone who knows what they're going through. When a nonprofit that supports military veterans heard about this idea, they jumped on board to help. Sean Dalgarn is the executive director of Growing Veterans, which trains vets to provide emotional and informational help to their peers. Peer support is meeting people where they're at, being a good listener, being a shoulder to lean on. A peer support specialist is someone recovering from a mental illness, so they have the lived experience to support others with similar struggles. Studies have found widespread benefits from improvements in symptoms to making people more hopeful. Dalgarn says it's an effective early intervention. So if you're able to access people in an early stage of, you know, whatever they're experiencing, then that's a crucial catch. You have to be able to address this at the lowest level before it becomes something that can unfortunately lead to suicide. Suicide prevention is a key focus for the new hotline for nurses. Michael O'Dell's friend John LeBlanc says it's why they're calling their project Don't Clock Out. The idea behind it is don't clock out of life, you know. It may take a while to launch this crisis line, but already about 250 healthcare workers have signed up to provide support to their colleagues. We want nurses to realize that you're not alone. You don't have to check out early. You know, we're here to talk to you before you take those last drastic steps. Read the strategy and PR News. If you or someone you know may be considering suicide, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text the word HOME to 741-741. A Houston firefighter's intimate video for her husband ends up in the hands of her co-workers, including her supervisor. 
They watch it for years, maybe spread it around. She doesn't find out until years later, seeks unpaid leave and counseling, and the city won't promise she won't have to work next to the men in the future. She sues, loses, appeals, and now the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has found against the city and sent the case back to trial court. In the process, the Fifth Circuit may have established two new precedents in cases involving hostile work environments. To tell us more, we're joined by the firefighters' attorney, Kelsey White, an appellate lawyer from AZA Law here in Houston. Kelsey, good morning. Good morning. What precedents are we talking about here? Well, so we've got uh, two precedents that are really interesting here. The first one is that the Fifth Circuit has now recognized that people can bring claims for harassment that occurs behind their back. So that's what we had here, right? Um, My client didn't know these things were happening. She found out later. And the Fifth Circuit agreed that just because you don't experience harassment in the moment while it's happening, you can experience it when you find out later. And so the court recognized that, and she'll get to uh, put her case before a jury. And then the second precedent is that when uh, harassment sort of works its way up the chain, and so higher-ups start finding out about it, if they decide to join in in the harassment, the employer is still liable because the employer is on notice that the harassment's occurring, even though the higher-ups joined in rather than doing what they were supposed to, uh, you know, to correct the issue. And, and both of those precedent are well-founded and, and make sense. Do you think this expands beyond even cases of harassment to uh, workplace culture generally and what expected norms there should be anywhere you work? I think it does. So I think... In today's world where we have cell phones, you know, on our, on our bodies all the time, our personal lives are in our back pocket. I think this case is recognizing that employers need to establish a culture where employees, employees are respectful of their coworkers' privacy in their devices. Um, and that really the culture from the top down has to put pressure on people to do the right thing. And the employer is going to be held accountable if managers do not address harassment when they find out about it. They cannot, they certainly can't join in, um, but they shouldn't be doing nothing. They need to take action. Now that said, what what the Fifth Circuit ruled here is that your client has standing to sue. It doesn't mean necessarily in her case that a, a jury will agree, right? That, that's right. We're going to have to present our claims to a jury and a jury will decide whether what happened to Ms. Abt counts as sexual harassment and what her damages are. Kelsey Wyden is appellate lawyer from AZA Law here in Houston. Kelsey, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Lawsuits aside, what can you do when the hostile work environment you're dealing with is caused by your supervisor? Uh, The answer may depend in large measure on the policies and procedures wherever it is you work. To discuss that, we're joined now by Cheryl Laplace, a human resources consultant with the Kingwood-based professional employer organization Insperity. Cheryl, good morning. Good morning. What recourse does an employee have when their supervisor has created or helped to create a hostile work environment? Um, So in my role as an consultant to small businesses across the country, um, I often provide guidance to business owners about how to prevent harassment and how to create a culture um, that fosters respect for people of all types, regardless of their national origin, their race, gender, religion, age, pregnancy, sexual orientation, disability, and so forth. Um, So when an employee believes that his or her 
direct supervisor is the harasser or is contributing to the environment that is hostile, um, a company should already have had avenues established, right? So much of this can be prevented through proactive measures, not just a policy, but training so that people understand what harassment actually is and what their responsibilities are under the law and under the company's policy. One of the things people who are engaged in harassment often say is, I was just kidding, or I didn't expect the person to take it seriously. And the law is less concerned with what someone's intentions are when they engage in that harassing behavior and more concerned with the impact it has on the individual who feels that hostility. And when we say hostility, we're not talking about anger, right? Hostility is more about that person feeling intimidating to the point where it impacts their ability to work. So if you think about a child that tells you, I have a stomach ache, I don't want to go to school, um, they are conjuring up the stomach ache because it's such an intimidating environment in their classroom. It's similar to that. So if a supervisor is participating in the harassment, then an employee should know what their other avenues are to launch a complaint. Um, that, that proactiveness, you know, that, that's okay. it's great when, when companies have the policies in place that they should have. Uh, but how does an employee know if their employer will really follow such protocols? I mean, isn't it kind of going out on a limb a bit to call out a supervisor for hostile behavior, whether we're talking about harassment or something else, when you don't quite know how others in the company, including that person's supervisor, will react? Absolutely. And that's probably a big reason why it became a law, because it is intimidating to share with your leadership that someone in a management or supervisory capacity is participating in the harassment. So anyone in a supervisor. Oh, it looks like we, we just uh, lost our guest. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Cheryl Laplace, HR consultant with the, the Kingwood-based professional employer organization Insperity, was uh, talking with us uh, about what you do under circumstances where your supervisor is the one that is committing harassment or creating a hostile work environment. Uh, as she noted, the, the key things here is, number one, that there should be policies in place, and uh, she and other HR consultants recommend that. And the other thing she pointed out is that's why we have laws in place for such things, uh, which takes us back to the, the lawsuit we were just talking about. Uh, my thanks to Cheryl Laplace for joining us. Context of white supremacy, Gusty Schadenfreude. That's one. We have several words. These are like cows' terms that are used here, that are used, maybe words that are used infrequently. Schadenfreude is one. Anachronism, anachronistic, either derivative, that's another one. Necrophilia, that's another. Therapia. Have to go through non good, non good, ungood. Have to go back to make sure, but ungood. We've got a few of them pseudoscientific. Anywho, this here broadcast neutralizing workplace racism. Weekly summit, hopefully to share information to help victims of white supremacy, black people solve problems in the workplace without creating new problems. Reviewing policy and procedure. Heard that at the end. That can be a big part of minimizing problems and knowing what you might be dealing with, being very aware of your policy and procedure in your work environment. Anywho, number to dial is 720-716-7300. 
The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. The email untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Feel free to dial in, call in. You should be on speed dial or you should be typing up the fastest email in the universe. If you have figured out any techniques, strategies, things to say, things to do that help you make sure you get your raises, get all of your annual bonuses, get extra time away from work. Make sure that you all of your performance reviews. Highest possible marks in all categories every an exemplary employee if you need time off you get it got to organize for the easter egg hunt that's serious business around here no problem like our guest for sunday's program dr matthews white man i gotta get ready for the game duke unc i don't care about nothing else no problem you'll probably need monday and Tuesday to recuperate. Take both days off. No problem. If you have that sort of wonderful, plush environment where you are valued and not mistreated in your workplace, speed dial the number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. We would love to get detailed notes on how you did this. Maybe we could do the same. If you're having any difficulties being mistreated, feel free. Give us a ring. The number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate one thing i will say this is archive most of the people listen to the archive at least for neutralizing workplace racism the compensatory call-in and the book club for those programs the time of those programs has not changed in years These programs come on at the same time and have come on at the same time for years live. So if you are listening to the archive and you say, man, when does this thing come on live? I never catch it. You can always just write that number down that I just gave. Lock it in your phone or wherever you need to stash it at. And then if you are listening to the archive of this, this program has come on at the same time, 8 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific on Friday, same time. Probably be here at the same time next week, white people permitting. Shouldn't be any confusion. All it would have to be next week, bang, I will give a ring and they'll be live if you call in at that time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific. Anywho. We'll get to some of the notes. There is a boatload of email for today. My goodness. Don't know what happened with spring. I guess people having to go back in the workplace. I don't know. We'll see. But wowzers. 
Uh, before we get to the emails, the audio segments that we heard at the beginning. Number one, I said before, correct that error. I thought they said that the National Guard was being deployed in a number of different states uh, to substitute teach. Massive shortages with educators and custodial staff, lunchroom workers, anything you can name. The shortages are nationwide, but they are only, at least to my knowledge at this point, April 1, deploying the National Guard in New Mexico. Not that that's a good thing, what have you. I guess if you live in New Mexico or what have you, but only New Mexico that is not throughout the U.S. or the National Guard. That said, you heard you know, some of what they were talking about in the segment, although they did talk about in the segment, the shortages nationwide again. Those are the type of things. I mean, certainly you can't think there's going to be COVID-19 and schools will be shut down for, you know, a year or it'll be all this upheaval and masks and all the rest of it. But at minimum, you would have to be thinking like, what is our child's academic program going to look like? Are we just going to entrust this to white people, white women to do the right thing? You heard that at the end? Whoa, Spike Lee, 35 year anniversary coming up for that one. Um are we just going to trust them to do that? Did they do right by us? Our parents, our grandparents, great grandparents. How far back you want to go? Strom Thurmond. I guess we're reading about all that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they didn't, what's that program going to be? And I mean, thinking long term about what that program is going to look like, if it's going to be homeschooling, if they have some sort of resource in your area. But I mean, if you leave it up to white people, that could mean leaving it up to the National Guard. Little Rock Nine. What fun. I'm sure I would love to see the academic results for those children and then to do the follow up study because white people do some studies. Let's see the follow up study on what their life is like, how they remember this event 10, 20 years later. Let's see what sort of impact they all become Fortune 500 CEOs and start their own businesses. And by then it'll be traveling to, you know, they all become uh, extraordinary space travelers and make extraordinary scientific discoveries and things out on the moon and other planets. We'll see. Let's see. We heard the segment about the clothing. I thought that was so important. Now, I can testify here in Seattle, Washington, uh, Gus is not renowned for his wardrobe before, during or after COVID-19. That said, here in Washington state, I do live very close to a dry cleaner. I noted that dry cleaner totally shifted their hours because of COVID-19. Like I said, in Seattle, downtown Seattle still is not you know, back to where it was. And they said it probably won't be until like 2025. Um, people working from home and or people moved and all kinds of craziness. They had the George Floyd protest, too. So it was a confluence of variables. Anyway, the dry cleaners, they still are not back to being open full service. Lots of people are still in sweatpants, footies, onesies, all the rest. Remember Jeff Tubin? He's not even wearing the footies and onesies. Jeff Tubin. Uh, In terms of going back to the work environment, they said that, you know, it's been a change and people are just, you know, I'm not going to wear a brassiere and all the rest of it. I'm not dressing up and I'm not going to come in and wear my pencil uh, suit 
you know, every day my pencil skirt and bodysuit. I'm not, oh, it's not bodysuit. I'm not going to come in my pencil skirt and all the rest of it so that I can project that professional image. I would say it this way. Whether you come in in footies or a tuxedo, you're still a Negro. I would not use COVID-19 to it would certainly would depend on the type of environment that you work in. Right. Uh, if you are in a corporate professional environment, I would not take COVID-19 as a signal to now come in in footies. Sweatpants. Hoodies. On a daily basis, I would not take that cue at all. Uh, really, if you're in any sort of office environment where you have a lot of white people who wear clothing that needs to be dry cleaned, starched, you know, polished shoes, that type of thing, heels, blouses, pantsuits, that's what they're wearing. I would not because we have been doing Zoom or whatever else. Uh, now say, well, now I'm you know going to wear my jean overalls, you know, rock my Jordans every day. I would not uh, switch that up. Even if you see some white people doing it, uh, I could easily see where white people, they may be allowed to do all of that. You know, come in in their uh, Lulu mom pants and all the rest of it. And, you know, I've been chilling for two years. I'm not going back right on right on. I could easily see white women getting away with all of that. I think for black people, male and female, I could easily see that if you're in a corporate environment, that sort of thing being used against you as you're not really corporate material and you don't project the right image and all the rest of it. So if you're in a corporate environment or a, a place where people are generally pretty serious, pretty business about how they're handling things, I wouldn't switch things up too much, if at all. I've said for a long time, in fact, I would have my code for what I wear to work. I'm not flashy. I'm not trying to show off all my threads. I'm clean, professional. But I mean, it's pretty much like you have five of the same blouse. Uh, if it's your business suit, whatever it is, it's almost like you have five of the same. It's not showy. It is professional and it does not call attention. So it doesn't look like, oh, wow, what are you wearing today, Gus? Ooh, we let me see them penny loafers. Nah, 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 nah. You're just wearing the same professional attire every day. Clean business. But yeah, I'm not here. You know, this is not the time to be showing off, you know, my sense of style. No, not at all. And same thing I said before. Style or no. Guess what? Negra. Let's see. Whew, the sex thing. Can I get to the sex thing? Oh, the mental health. I can't put that in. The mental health component is super important. I played that. Now, even though I did, don't think it was lost on Gus T. They started off talking to this male who I think might have been a white person. I'm not sure. Talking about his male partner. Sexual confusion. Rampant. We'll hear about that tomorrow on the passports. However, we do have a substantial number of non-white people all over the planet. Cows, listeners, and investors who are healthcare workers. That's why even some of our investors and listeners, their spouses care mates are healthcare workers that's why i played that segment uh and by all accounts it has been stressful in fact we even heard uh from some folks where they said hey uh my care mate they work in a healthcare environment and i have been stressed just worrying about them and their safety that's why i played that segment take care of your mental health and hearing that 
made it all the more appalling when all this started in the U.S. circa March 2020. Remember, they were coming out and banging on pots, right? That was the, the reward, the compensation for essential workers and what have you. Now you got folks who are having all these mental health crises, suicide and all the rest of it. And we banged on a skillet at seven o'clock in the morning for you. Make sure all that gets recorded. So, you know, folks, people, I don't have children, but when our offspring, when they're learning about all of this 20 years from now, whatever it is, make sure that that's included. Racist man, racist woman were in charge and. This was, you know, COVID-19 pandemic for two plus years. Now, the segment about the respectful work environment or lack thereof and showing all of the pornographic material. Man, oh, man, uh, I've mentioned it even recently, but it's come up repeatedly where white people, for whatever reason, the workplace, this is the time and place to put my penis on someone's head. This is the time and place to talk about all my fantasies of having a threesome. This is the time and space to talk about my suspicions that my husband is having an affair on me with another man. And I said that all of that. And it seems like there's a pattern to that where they will find the Negro on the plantation and they want to come and talk to you about all their sexual activity and sexual problems. And I might need Viagra. And does my husband need Viagra and all the rest of None of that is professional or, or pro unless you work at the bunny ranch. We do have folks in Las Vegas. Prostitution is legal there. So, I mean, if that's what you do, then might be a different environment. You might be discussing that sort of thing. Most of us do not, thank God, live in and or even have to visit Nevada. That said, it shouldn't be appropriate for the working uh, workspace. Someone is coming up and that is so widespread. Smug, that's why I said I don't want to hear nothing. Talking bad about black people, Will Smith or anybody else. Let me get that Washington Redskins report about the toxic work environment because they were doing the exact same thing. Swapping. Let me get some news. And of co-workers, let me see the cheerleaders. You got her. Oh, she doesn't have a she's not wearing a brassiere either. <laughs> That's what part of it was and the racism and all the rest of it. That is wide spread and has been for years. That's Strom Thurmond. You can get as many, many biographies. We just haven't got to that part yet. Him pension folks and all the rest of it. Why that's been going on for years. We just, as they said, we just now got the technology where you got a, a, a video recorder, camera, all of that right in your back pocket where you can just whip out and bam, look at that. Number there. What do you think about that one? Straight of Strom Thurmond was 50 years younger. Oh my, he would have been Jeff Tubrint. He'd have been on Zoom. He'd be the one we're talking about who's at work showing the, the videos. And he what they say, they said they've been showing the videos for years. Probably of a white woman in some sort of intimate doing whatever. Side note, said it on workplace racism repeatedly for years. No secrets in a system of racism, white supremacy. You say something, you share something with another person, white or non-white, just hey, the world 
entire known universe. Everybody who is on the planet right now and who will ever live might have access to this. That's the way that you have to think about it. That said, generally speaking, we hear lots of conflict, right? With regards to dating. It's not like most people don't find Nirvana. White or non-white. Most people don't find Nirvana, right? They say the divorce rate steadily dropping in terms of fewer people even getting married. And then the number of people who do get married, many, many, many of them. It might even be leaning towards most of them. It does not last. Strom uh, Thurman married repeatedly. I think Philip K. Dick was married five times. That's par for the We're not about, you know, healthy relationships. We are about white supremacy, racism. That's the culture. That's what they said in that segment. What sort of work environment culture do you have? We have a culture of white supremacy, racism. We have a culture of Strom Thurmond raping children. And then going around and being, no, I got a reputation for liking ladies, pinching them on the behind and all the rest. Matter of fact, Strom Thurmond, 66. What do you do? Marry his second wife, 22. That's the culture that we have. They mentioned Frank Sinatra on the program yesterday, 47, and I married Mia Farrow at 16. I might be off a year or two, but I'm not off by decades. I might be off like a year or two. That's the culture that we have. So I would say unless you're comfortable, regardless of what you think about that person now, how much you care about them, and they make you feel all kinds of ways and woo-woo and all the rest of it. Unless you are comfortable, whatever images that you take, pictures that you take, video footage that you shoot for that person, everyone in the world, your pastor, your deacon, your kindergarten teacher, your grandmother, you're comfortable with all of those folks seeing that video, your great grandchildren, that might be the only surviving footage of you is this video these pictures you're all right with that unless that's the case i would think twice because it seems like this is a major part of the current I mean, hey they couldn't even stop white people from sending lynching photographs we talked about that in the past they had a really hard time stopping them from sharing those images Same type of difficulty with stuff, what they call revenge porn. We're not cool anymore, so now I'm going to share this with Bob and everybody else at the fire department. And this is the fire department, right? This is, again, this is not the Bunny Ranch, right? This is not McDonald's, Taco Bell. I expect this sort of thing. And uh, Red Robin, Hardee's. I expect that sort of thing. But the fire department, I thought we were supposed to be about justice. Did y'all do that? Retired firefighter? You, you, y'all, y'all doing videos? I know that's a little bit earlier, so everybody didn't have an iPhone probably when you started out, but I mean, what? Isn't that supposed to be the type of thing? We just, whoa, 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 get out of here with all that. We are about justice and the correct thing. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We did it. We firefighters, you know, upstanding citizens. You know, around here sharing pornographic material. Whoa. Anywho, uh, I would not participate. Someone comes up to you in a work environment. Like I said, they're coming up to talk to you about all of their gutter sex activities or they want to whip out this video or they do the emails. We've had cows. This is who said that they were sending all kinds of graphic Washington Redskins. I just said that's white culture sending those sort of images and they had to 
point to policy and procedure. Now, many work environments, we've been around long enough, and this is such an a, a indelible aspect of white culture that many workplaces, they do have portions in policy and procedure about sending emails and what sort of telecommunications and what have text, whatever, any sort of images and what is appropriate. Same type of thing, uh, because you might be using a company computer to send these type of images and what have you. So a lot of work environments, bam, it'll be policy and procedure. And if it's not there, that's the sort of thing that I would ask in a meeting. I was reviewing policy and procedure. Can someone help me if I missed it? Do we have any sort of guidelines about appropriate images, video content being distributed amongst employees via email, text? Do we have any sort of policy about that? What do we think would be best for our work environment? Bang. And ask that one in front of everybody. So then, mm, this Negro. What? That's what I said. That's what I said. Doesn't matter whether you got the footies on or the heels. You're still a Negro, but you are a question asking nigra that means way more than whatever slick threads you got on and oh he wore this and it we got a question we got an inquisitive and he's asking about policy and procedure Ooh, ooh, taking away some of our fun because i'm telling you there are many reasons why they won't just give us the whole washington redskins report man don't just throw john gruden under the bus metaphor give us the whole report what were they talking about Let's see what they were saying about these nude picture swaps. Let's see it all. Anywho, uh, let's get to the emails. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. She said one more. She said, uh, I thought I loved it. She got cut off when they were talking because she was giving great information. I thought and she got cut off. I said, wow, that happens. Context of white supremacy. That I've never heard that happen uh, with any other program that I can think of, at least within the last three, four, five years. I can't think of where a guest got cut off in the middle of a segment like that's kind of rare. Talking about something constructive and line is gone. Hmm. Anyway, she said that a lot of times when these sort of issues come up, that it will be dismissed as, oh, we were just messing around. We, we, we were just kidding. Just just joshing. What is, what's today? What they call it? April Fool's Day. We, we were just playing a little prank, you know. Tom Foolery. Matter of fact, what they had the one with the police department and they beat up a deputy and they said, oh, we, we were just high school hijinks. Words. Very important. You're just so sensitive. You, you just take everything so so you can't take a joke that's the way that they I don't think anything is funny about sharing pornography missed the joke on that one nude pictures of co-workers what's funny about that what's professional about that still staying in the question lane get to the emails now let's see do the right thing they said Spike Lee do the right thing let's see Email number one. I missed this one uh, for last week. That's part of the reason, although that's small for why we got such a pile of emails this time around. Number one. uh, Good evening, Gus. Today I was driving my school bus when I noticed a little white student sitting in the back looking agitated at the next stop. I went over and asked him if everything was okay. He retorted to me. I am mad because I have to see your black ass every day. Ooh, it's gonna laugh there. Really, I was gonna laugh. I was gonna insert President Obama. The 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 young 
the young children. They, they're just so much better about all this. Young Sasha and Malia, their classmates, they way better than we were. And boom, boom, boom. He continues. Uh, I was not shocked, but wow. I was not expecting that at 7 a.m. on a Friday morning. Hey. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that either. I'd have my sound. If anyone is ignorant about racism neely fuller jr said by the time that white people are about age 15 they got it i said for a long time like that is like way late i don't know how early it is but by the time they're 15 like they're tim wise phd in white supremacy racism by the time they're 15 it's somewhere before that 12 10 3 i don't know but it's somewhere before 15 can you imagine saying that to a grown? And it's lots of examples of very young white people who have exact and the same fearlessness. Like I'm theoretically talking to a grown man. Put that in quotes, man, not. But what did I just say before? I don't care if I'm five and you got on a tuxedo. And you make a million dollars. And you're 40 years old. And you got a PhD and you're driving the bus where I'm a passenger. Guess what? Negro. Not even in high school yet. <laughs> I already got A plus in one thing. Negro. That's what I mean about you got to have a code because I mean, woo, how many non white people? And I mean, keeping it 100. How many cows listeners would have grabbed that little white fella by his neck? Look, did you call me? I will smack him. And then you get, no, you're going to jail on that one. Immediately, you know you're going to jail on that one. Not just going to be pressing every charge that can possibly be pressed. You're going to be on the new talk about your past and everyone being embarrassed. And they have you on television for beating up a 10-year-old white child. Oh, my God. And it's the Rona and everything. They're going to say you contaminated him and all the rest of it. So you got to have it the same thing I said. Like that happened so many times. 77 year old white man. Seven year old white man. That's the way I meant to say it. Because that's that's basically the way he's functioning. <laughs> As it relates to you, Nigra. Is <laughs> one man here. I would have wrote him up, though. I would say that because I think like, man, this environment and they got cameras on the bus, too. Like, oh, my God, I would have prayed like, please, please, Jesus, please. Do they have audio recording on the bus? That's when you do the same thing. If Mr. Thurman, Bob, anybody else in your work environment had done that. <clears throat> could you repeat that, please? And hope that it gets recorded. I would definitely write him up. Hate crime, everything. See if they can get him expelled, get that on his record. All of the above. Let him go home and, and miss 15 days of school and mess up his academic year. Maybe he'll fail and have to go back and start a year over and get put in uh, remedial class or whatever it is. But, yeah, that having your we talk about that all the time. Having your composure, even at 7 a.m., even with a group bus full of seven-year-olds, 11-year-olds, composure. That's what I said. Everybody here and 
talk about all these labor shortages. I said they've been hiring more children, people under 18. Make sure if your child, hey, I want to get a few extra nickels. Summertime is coming up. We got plans. We had to sit in the house for two summers. I'm getting out. We go on party this summer. I'm getting my bank together. I'm going to get a job, make some extra money. Cool in the game. Probably be lots of young folks getting jobs. and It'll be easy for them to do so. You should have extensive and ongoing conversations with them about <laughs> what did the firefighter uh, report? Whole lot of things to talk about in the workplace. What do you do if they want to show porn to you? What do you do if they put their hands on you? That was in Michigan. I forgot all about that one. That was young children where they were. Uh, hey, you want an extra shift? Want to come try my waterbed? You said you want the extra shift. It's a whole lot of things you got to talk. And of course, what do you do if you get called a negro by an eight-year-old or an 88-year-old? You got to have an A+. Plus. A plus answer for that one and try it. Try it under different circumstances when you're annoyed, when you're not patient, when you're having a horrible day. A plus response because that's an easy one where, oh man, and you already know what could happen. You could end up in jail easily. Alan Iverson, they just talked about that again. Uh, I wish I was in the strip club with Alan Iverson. I said that. I think I had talked about that before. I was in Magic City in the strip club the same time with Alan Iverson. I wish if that's one thing if I had to do over again. I would have got a drink and hung out and talked to him for at least 10 minutes to see if I could have talked to him about the uh, Virginia situation because he does seem open to talking about it. That is one. If I could get a rewind, Magic City do over with Allen Iverson. Let's talk about the VA situation. But maybe the stars will align. We'll get a second chance at uh, Mr. Iverson. Anywho, the email untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Com, the number 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND, press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. I'll go to the phone lines, although we have a listener who is requesting listener feedback so i will make sure to get this one in early um yeah i'll make sure that'll be the next one i'm gonna pull up that email listener asked for feedback so hopefully we can chime in and give some feedback uh as well uh yes got it all right so that'll be the next one folks who dialed in if you have commentary to share proceed Good evening. May I be heard? Uh, yes, sir. We can hear you. Uh, yes. Good evening uh, to Gus the host and to all the participants of the uh, program. Uh, I just wanted to uh, comment on uh, what I heard uh, previously on the uh, uh, Sunday um, international uh, program. I can't remember the title of the program. Uh one of the things that I caught very seriously from that program was uh, how important it is to talk to your, uh, your offspring, your children, uh, about uh, what should happen if they are in the school and someone wants to uh, search them, 
or has accused them of committing some type of infraction or crime, uh, what should be their response? And um, the the beginning uh, conversation that I've had with uh, my children is that uh, anytime anyone uh, says that they have to uh, detain you or uh, um, search you or anything like that on your person, on your body, the the only uh, response that they need is uh, I want my parents present. And uh, that is regardless, and we're, we're having to, uh, I guess, rehearse how they are going to respond in uh, a more stressful situation. If someone is, you know, continues to pressure them, well, we're going to take you to jail. Something bad's going to happen to you if you don't. Uh, con- if you don't just let us do this, it's going to be really quick. Uh, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. I want my parents present, and that's what their mantra will be uh, until we are present for whatever uh, procedure that needs to take place. Uh, whether we are. Uh, uh, agree to it, and most likely we would, would not agree to anyone searching our children at all up through uh, the time that they are uh, actual adults or can consent as adults. Um, and one of the um, the uh, things that I wanted to report um, on uh, my workplace uh, racism was uh, my encounter with uh, a person with a, a badge who was acting as a, uh, a law official, uh, driving, doing deliveries in the county of Westchester in New York, which is um, about 30 to 45 minutes north of New York City, I encountered a uh, person who was acting in the capacity of a law official who pulled my vehicle over while I had no passengers, had not dropped anyone off, hadn't picked anyone up, and this person asked to see a log. Um, Since I have a vehicle that has a a plate, which is a uh, a taxi limousine commission uh, license plate, this person said that they had the authority to um, check my log book to see, you know, what my activity was. Uh, The first response that I had upon him pulling me over uh, was, he asked me a question, what am I doing here? Um, and I said that very calmly, plainly, I'm not going to answer any questions without uh, a lawyer present. That is all I said. And this person became very, this male, it was a white man, became seemingly very agitated at that, accused me of instigating or uh, causing the situation to, I can't remember what word he utilized, uh, but um, uh, he accused me of, of basically making the situation uh, antagonizing. Um, and I didn't respond to that even because that was a statement. It wasn't a question. And like I said, I wasn't going to answer any questions. Um, so this person, upon my non-response after uh, putting on my face cover, and this uh, law official did not put on a face cover um, when speaking to me. Uh, this person, at, after about three minutes, went back to their vehicle, and uh, it was actually kind of funny to me because I thought 
um, you know, this person is accusing me of uh, instigating uh, a, a worse situation uh, by one uh, response. Um, and when I couldn't produce what he was asking for because I didn't understand exactly what he was asking for, um, I have a piece of paper with all the the uh, deliveries or pickups that I am doing, but it doesn't have any information on it except that you know that's where I'm going to do these drop-offs and pickups. And on my phone, there's an application which shows that uh, how I'm being paid, basically, uh, that I had one starting point and I have one ending point. Um, but I wasn't going, I told the person that I was not going to give him my phone so that he could scroll through. I'm not going to allow someone to uh, just have possession of my property so that they can uh, view whatever uh, they wanted to. And this person came back from their vehicle and issued me a summons uh, for, one, for not producing that log of my activities. And the second uh, summons that he issued me was a summons for not cooperating with a police officer or being non-cooperative or, or some, something like that. Um, and it was, uh, you know, not super alarming during that time, but what was very alarming to me afterward was this person basically lied uh, that I did, I committed some infraction that I did not, which was not cooperating. I just don't understand exactly what you're asking for. And I'm not commit, I'm committed to not handing over any property that you could, you know, uh, view more information than just uh, the information that you're asking about. Um, but I, I was remaining calm and, and very, uh, very composed in that situation, except for uh, I, I probably could have given them that piece of paper, but it didn't have any information in it that would um, be I, I what I would consider official. Um, I went to the um, office where they do the uh, hearings uh, that later on that day, um, but the officer uh, issued me a summons for a hearing that is going to be sometime in May. And what I really surmised with that was because they only have a hearing on uh, specific dates in that county, that that person issued me that citation no matter what I would have done uh, simply because I uh, made that statement. Uh, and that person issued me that summons basically to waste my time. Um, uh, I, I, I feel like that is uh, something that, that I can prove, you know, uh, that I am uh, eligible to be in that uh, area driving um, with or without a passenger. So I just think that that person was uh, doing that as a way to compensate for uh, my not giving him uh, uh, my more information than I was willing to give him at that moment. Um, and one other thing I wanted to uh, comment on the workplace racism was my uh, child had an incident where he um, scraped his elbow, it was a bad scrape, and he attempted to tell several uh, multiple uh, instructors, no one gave him the attention. Uh, my wife and I 
wrote a letter to the school uh, saying that if we did not get a response immediately that uh, to that issue, we explained what the issue was, that we would um, uh, take matters further, uh, to which we got a very prompt response. And uh, my child was spoken to by one of the counselors uh, to find out what occurred. Uh, and we have a, uh, a meeting scheduled so that we can uh, review the policies and procedures at the school uh, going forward. That's all I have to share for now. Thank you for listening. Having a plan for your child's safety is super important. Uh, we talked about that all over the world, non-white people. That is super important. Child Q, uh, we just talked about that with uh, our Global Sunday broadcast, Global Sunday talk, excuse me, uh, this past just two weeks ago, uh, I think I heard from Andrew emailed me today. He was talking about Toyin, who was with us. We talked all about that. Uh, talk to your uh, children uh, for these stops. We talked about that before. You're stopped by enforcement officer. Badger or no. no. Uh, sir, ma'am, I know you're just doing your job. I do not consent to searches of my person, vehicle, residence property without a warrant and they just had I mean literally within like the past couple of days they just had a report on uh, New York Public Radio uh, they were talking about this issue exactly uh, about uh, enforcement officers uh, getting access to property private information uh, whether it's your DNA or going through your phone. They were saying the same thing. You're supposed to have a warrant for any of that. <laughs> to go through somebody's phone, like all of the personal information that people have on their phone, like, are you serious? Warrant. And like you said, composure. Said it right there. Not cursing. Who do you think you are? Take my, well, take my phone. Take it. <laughs> you don't have an army. I'm not a gangbanger. I'm a victim of white supremacy. However, we do have the United States Constitution protection against unlawful search and seizures. That's supposed to be part of all that. Sir, ma'am, I know you're just doing your job. Even Norm Stamper, a suspected race soldier, he has this in his book in bold print all capital letters. He was former chief of police in Seattle, carried a gun and a badge for three decades in two different states. He said, do not consent to searches. That means handing over the phone, log, any of that. Do not. It's so e. Ooh, look what I found here. Ooh. And I mean, get my phone for it. Now that goes back to what I just talked to. Like, hey, get my phone for what? Warrant, sir, ma'am. With the sun, exactly wasting our time and energy. That's why I said, like, hey, if the cows, if Gusty is, you know, off in the middle of nowhere, talking foolishness, been on here rambling and wasting time for 13 years, like, oh my God, <laughs> that is offensive, appalling exit immediately we have way too many problems and too many serious issues to address to be wasting time white people they have 
that is a major component of white supremacy racism to get non-white people to just waste our time and or investing our time and energy strengthening supporting white supremacy racism as a global business written I mean some sort now I will say hey take it as a an opportunity to practice counter racism I would check those dates for the summons I would make a request for a copy of the police report incident report for that incident so you can have all the information you'll know everything that he said about this incident and I would do it as soon as later uh, sooner than later because they uh, sometimes this can take a long time or they'll deliberately delay especially for a situation like this where he knows he's just lying and making up stuff oh it's going to take us you know a long time and all the rest and the COVID all that I would make a request for the report and if you're in one of those jurisdictions where they have uh, body cameras I would make a request for the body camera footage audio video all of that as well uh, so that you can review and that that can be presented as evidence uh, for the summons uh, about this obstruction of justice because I would just repeat what I just said like you know I, I always cooperate with enforcement officers try to be a law abiding citizen as best I can he requested my phone sir ma'am I don't submit to requests to search my property person phone log without a warrant I wasn't placed under arrest you didn't tell me you had suspicion that I was smuggling drugs or anything of that nature my phone is pretty sensitive you got all kinds of data there I don't just give up my phone to anybody constitutional right right even get that in Mr. Fuller loves that get the constitution in unlawful search and seizure right That's what I would do. I would make a request. I would go online because you can probably that's something you can probably you just go to your local uh, police department website. You can probably make you might have to or you should be able to do it online. I guess if you have to call, you can do that, too. But I would see if that's something you can do online. Submit. I'd do it like today if you could, uh, because that can take a long time. That way you give yourself the best chance of having the uh, video audio if it's available and then the police report. So you can have a lot of evidence to respond to your uh, summons. That's one as well where I would check policy and procedure about what's uh, what does the company say they want you to do I'm out doing my deliveries and what have you trying to make a few nickels and I'm being a cost because we've had lots of those right you're being shot at what are you doing out here making my wife nervous around here raping what does the company say they want you to do in that situation I'd even maybe ask does the company want me to give over my phone like whoa <laughs> not that I'm going to do it just you know so I can be informed like they say you should do boop, 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 boop. If you get, you know, I would assume if it's law enforcement, they would just say, you know, cooperate and all the rest of it. If it's random white people, that might be something else. A white person without a badge. But that would be a good and that would be a good one to ask like detailed questions because past two years have shown us this can be a very dangerous profession for black people. Uh, let's see much obliged uh, let's see uh, make sure I get in the other email I was telling folks so this person was requesting suggestions reminded me of Dr. Umar Abdullah Johnson uh, so listen to right saying good morning Gus my care mate is studying for her masters <laughs> and she had an interesting exchange with her suspected racist professor which I've included at the bottom of this email. 
She was very upset about the exchange. She feels the suspected racist took her question out of context, there's that word again, and was very discourteous. She wanted some suggestions on how to fix remedy this situation. Uh, thanks for any suggestions. Uh, so this is academic setting, black attempted black educator, right? Trying to finish up to get the last uh, bit of her master's program so that she can go off and teach, right? Young academic talked to us a lot about this and these white people being in positions uh, to make this a really difficult process, maybe even impossible uh, for black people who are just trying to, I just want to teach, you know, what, 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 what is the big deal? So these are the questions uh, that she asked. Uh, so this is apparently uh, about teaching mathematics. Uh, Hi, Professor. I saw your feedback for my place value assessment, but I'm confused. You said that my dividend was 156, not 157. But it does say 157 divided by 13 and the remainder is 1 which it also shows. I attached a screenshot to this email for clarification. Can you let me know what I'm missing because it looks like I have everything. 15 divided by 13 is 12 with a remainder of 1. At the top of the grid it says in parentheses R1 which stands for remainder 1. That is not a base 10 block. So these are questions to the professor. So the professor responds. Let's see. Okay, he says, when you challenge me and are not sure of yourself, it feels like a waste of my time. A less offensive approach would be, professor, I see that I still have not gotten this problem correct and I don't see what I've done wrong. This way, you are owning the possibility that the mistake may actually be yours and not mine. Otherwise, it makes me feel like you are accusing me of grading your work incorrectly. It will get you further in life. If your dividend you have in your dividend you have one flat, five rods, and six units. That is 156. You were supposed to add another unit to make it 157 and thus have a visual representation for students as to why there is a remainder. It is in the slide deck and in the videos and we have spent a large amount of time in class on it. So this is the professor's uh, response, white male. Uh, my view, uh, I was reminded of Dr. Umar Abdullah Johnson. Now, this is math. This is not talking about racism. Dr. Umar said that he felt he had difficulties, made it kind of a far more unpleasant, far more challenging uh, experience and way less efficient talking about racism and being really direct about it in class all the time. Uh, he said if he had to do it over again, he wouldn't do any of that. You just try and get that paper uh, diploma. Uh, I think many times uh, racist and just looking at the tone challenge me a less offensive approach wasting my time accusing me like wow who is this white man like I read you the questions 
She's, I'm confused. Can you help me understand? I thought that's the whole purpose for a classroom. This, if you are confused, heck, this is the place you are supposed to be. Grab a chair and sit up front. Confused people this way, all arrows, arrows pointing this way, here, 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 and come with questions, right? Which is what she did. Help me get it right. I'm confused. And she wasn't saying, you messed up. What is wrong with you? Get it right. Messing me over in class. Are you practicing? None of that. I'm confused. Can you help me? You know, if someone, if you think, you know what I read, if you think that was her being, you know, sassy, <laughs> impudent with the professor, you can let me know. But that, you know, didn't strike me as that. It would have just been, hey, this is, you know, what you did or boom, boom, boom. Let me know if this clears it up. I think that's my job, right? That's why you pay tuition. That's why we've been investing all this time and energy, right? For me to help you figure out things that you're not doing correctly to help you understand, right? I would make every we talked about composure. I would make every effort to be logical, maintain my composure and not let this white man get me really flustered and angry because that's what happens many times with these white instructors. They want you to be and, you know, ready to come in and do all this because they know they win. You know, I'm going to grade your papers and take it out on you. Vindictive. We talked about that before. I would do everything that I good to keep it from becoming a vendetta. I really just want to get my paper and get out of here. Like this is way bigger than your class, this quiz or whatever. I really just want to get my paper and get out of here. So I don't want to have a whole lot of meetings with you and waste time with you. Like, let's just figure this out so that we can move on. Hopefully I never have to take any of your classes again. We never have to have contact again. Uh, I would say I would try to do as much as possible to keep it from becoming a vendetta because unjust networking, white people, they chat. He will go and talk to everyone in the department and probably have some of his uh, protégés who teach in other institutions and what have you. And, oh, that nigga, you got to watch her. Oh, my God, she gave me all kinds of trouble. And what a sassy nigga that is and all the rest of it. So they can make things really difficult for you. I think Young Academic has talked about that. I would really do as much as I could to just try to get clarified because she says she's confusion like that is this fella's job. Con, uh, clear up correct my confusion that's your job I wouldn't say that to him but I mean someone tell me that's not your job you teach first grade what's your job clear up the confusion of your first graders so I would want my confusion cleared up if I'm not understanding this I would want to make sure that I get it now if I have to email him or whatever I'm just going to get that and then moving forward oh yeah we're going to see if we can minimize as much as possible email communication I think email is great because that way there is a record uh, as opposed to with this person like you've already shown me the way that you I mean all of that this language of challenging me I don't even know what you're doing I really unless I'm going to have to see this white man for like the next year or whatever it is I really don't care I really just want to get my confusion cleared up, get out of your class and move on to teach, make a lot of money and hopefully do some counter racist educating in the process and plenty of it. But I'm not even into that. That sort of language to me, it just so leaps out as, oh, you're just you're a little race soldier. That's what this. You're just race soldier in here. Challenge me. Let's offend. You're offended by me asking you to help me clear up confusion. You're just race soldier. And that's all this is. This is this is why most of the educators in the U.S. are not black. 
white instructors like this. A young academic, he can tell you better than I, went through it all. Hopefully you have a book about it, talking about his whole experience. But I mean, it's, it's the same sort of thing. And we've heard this from black educators over and over and over and over. I'd say the only thing that stands out about this is that it's a white man. That's, you know, kind of an anomaly. But I mean, race soldier all the same. It's just, wow, white man for once uh, in, the, in the classroom doing all this mayhem academically. Normally, that is the realm of the white woman. But same thing. What does it mean to be white? My recommendation, composure, get what you need to get out of this class. We're not looking for a vendetta, minimizing contact. Every communicate would have to be electronic email, and it would be short, direct questions just so that I can get information, move forward. And then, you know, hopefully you don't have to see him again. You can just move forward and not have to deal with this. But, yeah, um, this is why we don't have a lot of black educators. If we have black educators listening, you should not be a spectator here. Dial in if you have any thoughts, certainly if anyone, if you have suggestions on what the best way, how you think would be to kind of resolve this, how to deal with this white man for the next whatever it is. If you have to be two, three more months, six months, I don't know how long. Hopefully it's not longer than that. But if folks have any suggestions on how they would deal with this, especially educators, the number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943. Pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have commentary to share, proceed. May I be hurt? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Um, greetings to everyone on the line. Greetings to you, Gus, as well. Um, I would first like to start off by um, saying um, I am not doing well, but I hope other victims are. Um, I had to take a mental health uh, day off from my uh, work location because um, I was in, I guess, fear of what today, of all days, uh, what might happen in my office. Um, My um, attempted spouse, she went to work and um, called me immediately and informed me that that I was correct in staying home from work um, because she uh, had to witness several, I guess, racist humor jokes on today being a racist day of quote-unquote humor. Um, So she had to deal with a couple things that were not too pleasant. Um, Me, myself, that was one of the reasons why I took a mental health day. Um, The other reason was because I um, recently submitted a complaint about another employee. This is unfortunately a black female. Um, and uh, from, you know, from the fear of retaliation on uh, on today, I decided to uh, stay home. Um, but to answer, I guess, I guess help answer the quote, to answer the question, I agree. I agree with what you said, Gus, the recommendations for the caller. 
with the terrorism from the suspected white supremacist uh, teacher. Um, um, and at that point, I'll just be my call for now. Um, I may comment later if that's okay. But thank you for taking my call. Wow. Uh, Hey, I applaud you taking a mental health day. I can only say I feel like Dr. Kamal Kanban. He's been a guest on the program repeatedly. uh, KamalKanban.org. He said sobriety would be best. He said when we are sober, right, in our correct thinking mind, using logic, way less confused about white supremacy, racism, we will pick up. The creator is sending us signals. Matter of fact, he used the movie from the late Sidney Poitier, Buck and the Preacher. And he said there's a point. Sidney Poitier's character is coming in. The late Ruby D is in that one, too. Uh, Sidney Poitier's character uh, is coming in to rescue uh, Ruby D. Lovely. Uh, and he senses that it's a setup race soldiers are there and he can kind of you all should watch that it's such a great movie Sidney Poitier uh, but he senses that something is wrong he gets it and he's like uh, Dr. Cameron he says see the creator will send you those signals now Sidney Poitier if he had been vaping St. Ides malt liquor Hennessy and maybe you don't get those signals they come at you lots of and I mean hey just acknowledging he, exactly what he said not mysticism I am not okay that Gus T I've said for years I don't say it to be cute or anything E. Franklin Frazier author of Black Bourgeoisie and many 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 other books Minister Malcolm X used to quote from him uh, he did a sociology study where he said he was talking to black males at that time, 1920s. And they would say he would have people would ask them, how are you doing? And they would say, right, poorly. And he went to investigate it. He said it wasn't anything physically wrong with them per se, but they were suffering from white supremacy, racism. Duh. That is for sure a health problem. Acknowledging that some day, some days is the best thing we can do. I need a day to just, you know, try to replenish, to get more rest, eat some really good food, get a break from all the, and to particularly to acknowledge that today, what I said before, oh, the hijinks are rolling today. Tom foolery is rolling today, and you better not say that. What do you mean? You can't say it's, it's April Fool's Day. You can't take a joke. You don't like. <laughs> You don't have a sense of humor. See, that's what they You're just not a good fit, man. We try to have fun. We haven't been around each other in such a long time. We're so happy to be back. I put my penis on his head. I know. It's just being funny. It's just a joke. Hijinks. Those are called high school hijinks. I got to sit around. Because, hey, when you're not don't have the best mental health they talked about that uh, Dr. Gerald Horn talked about that in his book Race War he said hey those white soldiers that were interned uh, stress started building up on them they couldn't concentrate didn't have patience were having breakdowns and all the rest of it this has been two years of stress for everybody and then 
white supremacy, racism per usual, trauma and stress, going in on, on one of those days where you don't have the patience that you would, that's when they do one of those jokes or whatever it is, and maybe you don't have the best response. Fly off the handle, as they say. So I think it's phenomenal. I think that's great that you were able to take a day off. Uh, hopefully you can, if you have the weekend off, you can, you know, get lots of rest, um, eat really well, uh, do some things that replenish uh, your spirit, spending some time with your care mate. And maybe it's getting warmer now. I always think being able to get outside and get some sunlight on your body. Uh, that's so good for so many reasons. Enjoy that it's warming up and longer hours of daylight. So. Uh, try to do some of that uh, as best you can over the next few days to take care of yourself and replenish. But, man, uh, mental health is so important. Racists, they condition us to just say that we're okay when we're not okay. Right poorly. Take time for your mental health. And especially with everything we've experienced the last two years, make time for your mental health. And if you have offspring, make time for their mental health as well. Let's see. Uh, uh, so many folks that wrote in. Uh, making me juggle. Making me juggle. Uh, folks that dialed in. Let's do that. Folks that dialed in. Uh, folks that we missed totally. Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. All right. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Um, greetings to everyone on the line. So, okay, let's do it like this. So, uh, real quick, um, for the lady that wrote in that um, was talking all jazzy and rude to her professor in that tone, like you think you know everything, I get it, right? Because white people don't like, white people are so accustomed to us going above and beyond the call of duty to making them feel comfortable. I do believe he felt as if she was telling him he was incorrect. Even though, especially the way he explained it and broke it down, and that that was uh, funny. So he felt some kind of way that this girl thought she was going to check him and tell him he was wrong. One point off. That wasn't the. If you would have read, you would have known what I wanted you to do. So don't talk to me in that tone, girl. Just say, "Oh, it could be my fault. I may have made a mistake. Can you?" Help me, please reorient me a little bit to make sure that I'm on the right track with this this formula because I thought it was this, but you could be totally correct, like you always are. So they like their ego stroke, I believe. So I'm sure he was offended. And for what she should do, just like you said, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep everything um, that's needed to be said. Email it if you can. Do what you got to do. Stay out of his way because he's already showing you that he's He's going to start making it difficult for you, I believe, because you use that uppity tone. And so that's all. That That's my um, that's my suggestion. I'm just being um, a jerk about uh, because I'm sure she didn't do it in that manner, but I'm sure that's how he proceeds. Um, the clips. Oh, so the guy, uh, oh, my goodness, the guy that um, was had to um, do that, um, that, that traveling nurse kind of stuff and um, – he had to um, tell the patients that they can't have um, gas, and that has to be, oh, that is so awful. This is so awful. So I could imagine that it took a toll on him, especially 
um, doing that every day because you need your money. And then you're traveling, doing the same thing, and only God knows what people are saying to you when you tell them. Everybody knows the rules, right? But then they'll make it as if you make it personal. Oh, you just don't want me? You know, so I can see it being hard on him, and he's just doing his job. I don't know if he committed suicide or not. Um, Because I always say we commit suicide. But I just think that was awful that he had to feel like that. Um... That's why I don't like health care because, well, the germs actually is why I don't like health care. But especially now, it just seems, I guess I would, if I was older or made it to be older, I think I would rather just transition at home. Um, All the school teachers, um, (laughs) the school teachers um, and the fact that they don't make, uh, because I guess they were trying to get a raise. I think I heard in one of the clips, or they wanted more money, and they was like, sure. Uh, attendance is down. <laughs> well, how are you not giving you any extra money? So just that. And then you have the National Guard uh, that keeps them employed, so you can just have them as teachers because they already get their whatever the little military benefits. So that, that kind of works, and it keeps it, all together in that um, program because with the military, it's kind of like policing. So that's interesting. Um, and I think New Mexico is just a start, and then it'll uh, go like that state by state. Um, my workplace race, I'm real quick, too, so I'll do two. I'll do the shortest one first. I had a real bug life week at these sundowntown schools. Um, so... Uh, First one, little uh, one, two different schools. First school, I go three days a week. Second school, I do two days a week. Uh, or I have it set up like that. So four schools total. First school, little Filipino boy, totally appreciates my existence at school. He usually is a loner um, to himself, each to himself. Um, the principal would try to make him interact with the rest of the uh society in school and he stopped talking to her so uh as i come been there since january it was tricky because that's the class that had got shut down for covid the second day of me of it being open after uh uh, uh what is that crap christmas break so um that was the class that was the only class that i know of that was shut down like that he, he they were shut down for a week and a half two weeks and the teacher didn't come back until uh, a few weeks ago, from January, um, slew of substitute teachers, a slew, um, curriculum, barely curriculum. The curriculum looks like what the paraeducator, Arabian-looking uh, paraeducator, she says she's Muslim, but she's, that's just a religion, paraeducator. Um, what she does, because it's a routine, so she, most basically, she's giving the right answers down here to just copy. Here, da, 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 da. I wrote this, just copy this. So there's not a lot of learning, so I've dealt with that for a couple of months. And um, so what I do now is I go in, especially the ones on my cases, this too, the little Filipino boy and this particular black boy that I didn't even know I was there for. So what she does is she basically will just let him sit there and play with his Mickey Mouse or stare in the face or just disengage until it's time to switch tables. And um, I said... uh. Oh, no, I need him to do his work. Oh, he's fine. No, he's not. 
No, he's not. Well, I'm, I could be in another class if that's the case. He's not fine. He needs to know how to do this work, so I'll make him do his work. And um, she did something like giving him all the answers. I guess I have to subtract and divide or subtract and multiply. Or no, what is it? Addition. Addition and subtraction. So instead of teaching him the formula how to do it or give him things that he can count on, she just got, just count the lines. So if it's 482 uh, minus 22, she wants him to count the lines next to it on each column, you know, the tens and the ones, count the lines, and then um, get the answer. So say 50 and 50, uh, 50 plus 51 is 101. So he's not doing it like that. He's doing it to where he's not carrying the one over, putting it on top and adding it because you didn't tell him how to do it like that. He's just counting the dots. So it'll be 10 dots to the left. But instead of uh, putting a zero and the one at the top to add it with the, uh, the, um, the tens column, He's putting it right next hand, and then one, uh, whatever he's doing is incorrect because she's not tell. She's just getting in the answer. So I had to look at. It. I was like, "Why you got all these numbers?" And <laughs> he, I said, "Oh my god, okay, look, erase it. This erase it. Erase it. This is not it." I said, "You carry this over." I said, "This one goes at the top, and then you add it. You cross out this, and then you add." So I had to go through all that because none of that's happening. So the little Filipino boy, he likes, uh, he'll eat lunch by himself because he doesn't want to catch any germs. <laughs> and um, he's not very sociable. He'll play on the swings these days until somebody terrorizes him and make him get off. And then um, he'll say, come walk with me. So we'll walk. So we're walking. Um, and the way he's conditioned, brown is not good. Black is whack. Black is dangerous, violent, and vile. So he was saying, oh. Look at so-and-so, a little black boy, because he really thinks very low of the black males in the class, except for maybe one fifth grader. He doesn't really have much to say about him. But the other black males, oh, the only talent such-and-such such has is just playing music on the iPad. <laughs> just a said something to me, and he's like, yeah, but they, they don't listen. And they don't. They don't listen, um, nor does he. So, uh... He, uh, and I said, well, heck, you don't either. <laughs> You're not brown. He just looked at me. So then he was saying, uh, oh, look at him. He probably stole something. Look at him running. Yeah, he stole something. Yeah, oh, goodness, he stole something. such hat. The little guy looks like he could be white or something similar. So he took the guy's hat. The guy's chasing after him to give him the hat, so I had to yell, so-and-so, so-and-so, give him his hat. Give it to him. So he, okay, to give him his hat. So, like, see, I told you. <laughs> So I said, it's okay. He's like, look at him. Oh, he's so brown. It's so sad. I say, yeah. And then he's going to tell me, I feel sorry for your son. <laughs> I said, you don't got to feel sorry for my son. You got to try to figure it out because my son is okay with his heavily melanated skin, very brown, and he's he's fine in his brown. He's like, do you like being brown? He's like, I love being brown. love being brown. The way my sin, skin glistens off the sun, I love it. And so he kept, uh, he just, uh, uh, just kept talking about whatever. But the teacher told me before I left uh, yesterday that, or the day before, that the little boy's mom parents were saying, who is me? Who am I? 
because all he does is talk about me. And I've changed his life tremendously because he, I make him want to come to school and do stuff. And I really help him out a lot. And they say, you know, she spends lunch with him and whatever I do. And I said, oh, well, did you tell them I'm tell them that I'm black like this? And he's like, no, I'm going to save that. White people say he'll save that for later, let him meet me and get the gut punch because the parents are not Negro friendly and they really don't want him around Negroes. Uh, second school. Second school is with the the lady, the teacher that's trying to get her credentials, that's not having any um, issues getting them because everybody's dating her through. Black paraeducator, I think that's what they call them, the teacher's aides now. Black teacher's aide, there Monday through Friday, all, till 2.30, all day, 3 o'clock, whatever time school is out. Um, ever since I uh, turned in my notes and talked to the principal of that school on Friday, it's been interesting. So I come in on Tuesday, lady looking at me like, <sighs> she didn't speak. <laughs> no big deal. Great. That's less words for me. So I do what I have to do with the children. Of course, the little uh, 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 rapist in training, the little assaulter, got to watch him. Got to watch him. So he had a rough day on Tuesday, and he needs to go to the principal office. He didn't want to go to math. So instead of figuring out a way to where he maybe doesn't, he's only in elementary school, so he's mainstream math uh, because his mother wants him. She doesn't want him in special education forever. So she's trying to mainstream him in things that he may be good in. So math is overwhelming for him a lot. Um, so I just figured maybe just three or four days, and then the rest uh, – in his regular class, and he can do what the regular other kids are doing, which is math on the computer. He's been fighting this for maybe a week, almost two weeks. Awful. So um, sometimes I'll go with him and sit in there. Sometimes I won't. So she's, hey, could you get him to do this? I'm going to try. No, oh, he's not interested. What's the next thing? Yeah, I need him to go to math. I said, I said, he's not interested. What's your, uh, what's your other option? Because he's not interested in going to math, so he's not going. Well, you're not, no, I'm not making them do anything. So I can suggest whatever your next option is. I don't know what, what's next. Well, go to the office. Okay, well, we'll see. Oh, he's not interested in going to the office. Either, so I don't know what you're going to do. Because I I don't know what you want me to do. So, of course, uh, I got another incident with another little girl. So I got to go to the office with this little girl. Because <laughs> she only acts right when I'm there. And the bribe of it is, I'm going to tell such and such if you don't sit down or all that stuff. So that's when she's looking around like, oh, she's coming today. So, and I'm only there two days too. So they got three days to act. Well, so um, I'm doing that with this one. They're trying to get the little boy to go to the office. He never did go to the office. He ended up going back to his class um, and doing what he wanted to do, which was not go to math. So by Wednesday, by Thursday, the next day, come in, lady ain't speaking. Great. Heffa. So I speak to the black hair educator. What's up, girl? So, you know, I get the rundown on how, how, what's going on, how's the class, what's going on. So, uh, it's a mess. So, recess comes. <laughs> so I'm watching the teacher, the actual teacher, the white teacher, trying to get her credentials. She has recess duty. She hates recess duty because she hates kids in real life. So, uh, she has recess duty, so she's out there looking all crazy, like Mr. Ranger with his hat on and all this out there with recess duty because she don't want the sun to burn a hole in her skin. So she out there only in one spot, standing around, turning around, looking at the little black boy. 
Where's the little black boy? He's a terror. And the little Spanish boy. Get that black boy. That Jake. That he's a terrorist. Gotta watch him. So she lost sight of him somewhere. <laughs> so I had him in my, you know, because I watch his little cell because he's like he's kind of, you know, those little boys. They they play with their hands. So he's roughhousing or whatever. And another one of my little kids is with him. It's a girl. So I'm looking at him like, what they gonna do? So they run down there to get another classmate. Run up to the little classmate. Boop, 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 boop. Socking him up all in the stomach and upper chest area. I'm looking like, please, no. No. So I'm looking, even though I'm not doing my job watching the predator, but I was watching him. So I look, and that little boy stayed down there, you know, balled up for a minute. He just sat on the ground for a minute and just dusted himself. So I walk over there, and then, you know, the little little uh, puncher, him and the other little girl, they walk off wherever they walk, and so I go, see like, man. Mm. So... I walk over to the little boy that got hit. I said, did he just sock you in your stomach? He's like, I don't know. I was like, you do know. I said, did he just have sock you in your stomach? So he said, yeah. I was like, so he was just wailing on you? And all those hits landed? He was hitting you? Because I'm from a distance watching. So he said, yeah. I was like, man. I was like, man, don't you ever let nobody do that to you. I was like, I don't care who it is. You don't never let nobody treat you like that. I was like, the next time, I know you can't whip nobody up up at the school. The next time somebody assaults you, you go find an adult and tell and resolve the issue. Don't ever let nobody have you all balled up, whooped up. And... Okay. So now I got to go get little man. He walking around. I'm like, so-and-so, come here. And mind you, all this is all different corners of the schools. Come here. Man, did you just hit him? No. I'm watching you. What do you mean, no? Did you just hit him? What did your hits land? No, I was pretending like I hit him. I didn't really hit him. I was like, I'm looking at you, though. I didn't do it. So, you know, he's feeling some kind of... I said, look, like I told you earlier in class, I'm not going to be going up and down and around with you. I'm not going to keep asking you over and over and over to do something. It's your choice if you do it or not. But what I am going to do is make sure you go to the office today because I don't like that, and that is not okay. And you will not do that. And uh, he's like, I didn't do I didn't mean to hurt nobody. That's fine. Great. But I'm just letting you know what's going to happen next. No big deal. Now I'm going to re-ask him again to make sure. So I talked to the little boy again. And I said, did he? I said, he said he did. it didn't land. He's like, he's lying. I'm like, okay. All right. I'm like, and you better not let nothing like that. Don't let nobody beat you up like that without telling an adult. So, so I'm not. So I'm talking to the paraeducator in between this, too, to let her know what's happening. We got the uh, Caucasian teacher on yard duty looking around. So I'm talking to the lady. Now, the paraeducator, what she'll do is she inter- interacts with all the children that have that recess. However, she got to do it. Whatever she has to do, that's fun. And then half the school is following her around because she's trying to make it fun for the other kid. So she passed by my way, making her rounds, running around. So the teacher come up to us. Mind you, we're like 12 feet apart because I'm just got finished talking to the other little boy to make sure the story was correct. <laughs> this lady gonna come up. <laughs> so she came up to us and said, I don't see so and so on the yard. I lost him in my eyesight. I haven't seen him. Have you guys seen him? Maybe if you separate we can all have eyes on him because he's out on the yard and I can't find him. He's not in my view. 
and she spun off. So the lady with all the kids behind her, she said, I'm not on yard duty. And kept on doing what she was doing with the kids. I said, hold on real quick, because I got to, I'm, let me let me call at her real quick. Man, I walked over there back to Paddington Bear with this doggone hat on. And I said, let me tell you something real quick. I am not security over this little boy. I am not here to watch him to that magnitude. You understand? Now, I was watching him. I have an incident that I'm trying to deal with, but I'm not watching him as if he's going to kill somebody. Okay? So you're on yard duty, not me. If you think he needs to be watched at all times, you zoom in on him. But there's other children out here outside of him, like at least 100 kids outside for recess. Watching this one little boy like that, that's insane. I have other stuff to do. I have an incident that I'm trying to deal with, so I can't find him right at this second, but I'll get to him in a minute. What's wrong with you? When you come over there telling me how to separate or divide or whatever, I, I got this. Tell me where to stand, what to do. Well, 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 I just couldn't, wouldn't look for him. So we do that. So now she's livid, right? So now we go back to class. I've already talked to who I need to talk to to get him to the principal's office or whatever is going to happen. How are we going to resolve it? So the guy was saying, well, heck, you remember on Tuesday I couldn't get him to go to the office? I'm like, well, hell, I don't know what, because I can't, we can't make these kids do nothing. If they either do it or not, but you just have to have another uh, plan B, C, another protocol, something else to do when they say they good on what you said. But I'm not the bouncer. So he's like, I, I could just take to tell the principal about this incident because I still we was like and he's like and I think I don't even think when he did go to class nothing happened I was like no he just went back in class he said oh god he so he said he was talking to the principal to try to get into the principal's office because I'm explaining him what happened and um so all this is happening at one time we go to class so he's coming to class to get him to go to the principal's office for the incident on the yard she's now picked an argument with him about going to math class. And it's, oh, can you get him to math, please, you? Talking to me. I'll let him see if he's interested. So I go over there. Yeah, you interested? No, staying right here. I'm like, but look, dude, you got math at the other class. No, staying right here and doing math on the computer like the other kids. So you, you're not, you don't want to go? You know, this is, blah, 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 blah. no. No big deal. Spin off. So while this is happening, the guy comes in and, um, so he's going to take the little boy to the uh, principal's office or make an attempt. But she's come bar bar him. He won't go to math. I need you to get him out of here to go to math. I have a behaviorist. I have a behaviorist in here, but she's not doing anything. Um, Excuse me, ma'am. I don't know who you think I am, but I can't snatch him up and make him do anything. That's why I tell you, what's the next move? So if he's not going to do it, what's the next move? But don't think just because I deal with behavior, I can just magically change behavior. You can't even do nothing with the dog on class. That's why you left your report on the table and it said the paraeducator do everything. You can't even get, have a grip on the class. So watch it. Ugh. So now she's looking all crazy because she can't make us. Now she's going to fuss at the guy. Like, make him move. Make him. He's like, well, if he don't leave or if he say he don't want to go, what do you want done? What? Because I can't make him. Take him to the principal's office. Oh, my God. So, of course, he couldn't make him. 
So I just made a comment. I was like, hey, why he ain't with you? You should be able to make him go. You're not doing your job, dude, if he's still in the class. So he just looked at me. He was like, man, I'm <laughs> so uh, the principal came in. But before the principal came in, this lady picked a whole argument with this little boy again. You are dishonoring your mother by not going to math. Your mother told me to make you go to math. He's like, I'm not doing anything. No. You are dishonoring your mother. Are you saying you're dishonoring your mother? You're dishonoring your mother by not going to math. And she did this for five minutes arguing with this little boy. So he finally went up and left. And she's like, and I'm going to tell her because she told me to make you go and I'm going to make sure she knows you are dishonoring her. So he just get up and go to mass. But she sent out an alert that he ran off and was missing. Then she comes over to me saying something to me, and I just slammed her. I was like, the way you sitting here arguing, wasting your time arguing with the What happened to on the, on the playground yard? I was like, whatever I just said about those talking. So I didn't know about it. Because you, 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 you didn't have him on your radar. That's why you didn't know. Do, 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 do. If you would have had him on your radar, you would have knew. Well, nobody tells. Why you didn't? I was trying to tell you. That's why I didn't tell you. I don't have time to tell you what's going on. Okay, I don't have time. So she, she was saying something, 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 something. And well, you, some this should happen. This should happen. This should happen. Okay, that's what happened. Okay, it happened. Well, uh, you should have. You, he should have went to the. Uh, okay, well, look, you got the bouncer, the dude that came in here. He couldn't take him on Tuesday to the office. He couldn't take him today, which is Thursday, to the office. And he still ain't in the office. So now what? So she just spun off. Then, um, mind you, mind you, I never noticed that the par- the teacher's aide never came back from recess. Do you know that lady went home after recess? So now I'm here with these kids and so no teacher's aid. So my routine has shifted a bit. So now I have to go because now, mind you, they can't do nothing with this little girl. I'm sleepy. They can't do nothing with her when I'm not there. So I got to teach. I got to do everything she does. She got to do with me. So whatever class she's in or wherever she's going, I got to be right there. Can you go with her because I can't do this? And can she go with you? So now instead of me doing whatever I normally do, I got to go to with the class with the little girl. So I'm trying to do my report because the principal came in showing a picture of the little boy. So she showed the picture to the teacher so the teacher want to talk. She's like, I don't got time. I got time. I got other incidents. I'm just showing you where the little boy, I'm just showing you where he at. So then she comes to me with this picture. And I'm like, what, what is this? With this phone, the picture. I said, what is this? And I'm staring at it. And I don't know what's going on. I just see the little boy in the mask in class. So I was like, I don't understand. So I didn't understand. She's like, could you send me an email of the report? You know what happened on recess. I said, Sure. So I took my computer with me, left my court, because everything happened so fast because the teacher is so stupid. Can you, um, uh, may I ask you, never talk this kind, may I ask you, please, if you don't mind, if you could go with her to her class with the, that group because such, 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 such. And I was like, yeah, I'll go. And then I was it. But uh, during recess, the uh, guy was just telling me how uh, the lady was fussing at him again, and um, he would try. He would have to try to have the principal take him to the office. So 
she said, where is he? I said, he's sitting over there at the table eating his lunch. And um, so before I left, I noticed a little boy. He was going to the principal's office with the principal. And so he's like, hi. I'm like, oh, well, hi. And then that was it. And then I just went off. But oh, such a wild day on the plantation. And I have spring break, so I didn't have to go to work today. Thank goodness. And um, I don't go back until uh, the week after next. So that's my work situation. I'm sorry for talking so long, but it was just a lot of rubbish. And I'll meet my line. Mm. Much obliged, Bay Area mom. Context of white supremacy. Mm. I already got a teacher shortage and she said the teacher's aide, I guess recess came and she said, I, I think that's, uh, I think I'm good for the day. <laughs> Recessing. I am recessing for the rest of the day. Peace on. Catch you all uh, after spring break. Assalamu alaikum. Now that right there tells me a lot. I, don't, I can't recall. I've worked <laughs> in a classroom environment, have known lots of teachers. I don't think I've ever heard that. Somebody who works anybody cafeteria worker custodial staff anybody that's you know even associated with the school I just walked off in the middle of the day <laughs> we get to get it I'm done I'm done I can't do it no. <laughs> y'all have to finish out the day without me like what Whew. it has been stressful times folks um, I can I can only say like man we talked about it for so many different reasons um Certainly a different context with uh, S.E. Mae Washington Williams and her mother being raped uh, by racist Strom Thurmond. But you play around with sex. That's what your offspring can be pleased about, right? Dishonoring your mother and what are you doing? I mean, I'm sure that that just inspires me. That just puts goosebumps on my back like, wow, I'm ready to do some learning. Woof. And this is a weekly thing, you know dishonoring your mother you blew it you little loser and why don't you go that's that's our educational the soil nourish our academic development can't even just do no name calling is that the way they talk to the white students in the uh, AP's classes and honors courses that's how they talk to them hmm the uh he said the little Filipino boy victim of white supremacy non-white male non-white male he said oh my god all oh, the little black boys they just they don't pay attention oh they're just such criminal no counts and all the rest like yes yeah yes he says look at him he's stealing look at him raping and stealing oh gosh <laughs> oh she said the little fella talks to her and Telling his family, like, oh, I love her. She's great, so helpful. It's awesome. I'm doing way better in school. Did you, did you tell him that I'm one of these niggers who. No, 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 no. He's gonna. Baby steps. We can't uh, drop all that on them at once. Just, you know, they'll come in and just. That's like uh, Sidney Portier. Guess who's coming to dinner? They come in and think they're gonna be all excited, meet this young, brilliant educator who's got our child all over. Whoop. You. You, you said you, you don't, you don't make, you don't do work, work in the kitchen. You don't, 
You said you're the janitor. You got you got a broom somewhere. That's you. Yeah, you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've seen that one. Like, wait a minute. Whoa. Like we've been doing all this great work and your son is doing better. And yeah. Whew, black. Yeah, I mean, he's not white. I'm, I don't know if we have any people out there. Is it, I see he's just a little racist. I think she was pretty clear. She said he's not white, this little fella. Maybe she said he doesn't pay attention either, but I don't I didn't I didn't hear anything. I might maybe I wasn't paying attention where she said he could pass for white. I didn't hear anything where she said this looks like he could be little former President Trump's little little nephew or cousin or anything like that. Is this just a little non white person who has self respect at zero? White people are worldwide successful. Talk Dr. Uh, Dr. Horn talked about the Philippines. White people going over there and doing some of the exact same things. White supremacy, racism, terrorizing non-white people. Black, get back. But that just at least that's what it tells me. Self-respect is at zero. Think exactly the way racists think now. I mean, if that's how I think about black people, and he's just a maybe lighter shade of black. Eee. What do I think about myself? I mean, none of us are white, so what do I think about myself? Black self-respect score is zero. She said, little fella looked at her after he looked around at all of his little raping, stealing black male classes. Oh, my God. Planet of the Apes. Oh, look at him. Oh, I can't believe. Look at him. He's stealing and raping and robbing. Oh, I can't believe I got stuck here. Oh. Feel so sorry for you that that's your son. <laughs> what are you, what are you talking? About? I mean, racist remark, no doubt, anti-blackness. But I mean, what? My son could be a Rhodes Scholar, another you know, racist in the academy. But my, you know, son is doing. What are you talking about? Hope you could be doing as well as my child. What are you talking about? All these little nigger males—they're just your little children. Mm, mm, mm feel so sorry for y'all <laughs> man again and this is a child where did he get this way of thinking he could have been talking about anything right? I'm sure he's heard of Netflix right he could just be talking about television and cartoons maybe get hooked on Harry Potter maybe he did get hooked on Harry Potter maybe that's why he, white is right you old Voldemort you but I mean that's stunning and that you've heard that sort of thing repeated over and over and over for generations. Little black people and little non-white people already seem like they got it clean in terms of what it means. Same thing that that little white fella said on the bus. Looked at that black male bus driver. <clears throat> What's wrong with you? You all right? You need anything? Disgusted. Gotta wake up in the morning and look at your black ass to start my day. <laughs> <laughs> do what do what where did you get that from what have your parents been talking to you about what have you seen on television you've been at the Trump rallies what is going on gotta talk to your children about racism white supremacy it is mandatory if your child is not white you have to talk to them about white supremacy racism it is mandatory Anywho, let's see. Uh, before we get to some of the other folks who dialed in, make sure I do uh, 
uh, at least give a good effort to get in some of these emails. Uh, emails aplenty. Let's see. Uh, she said they were out in the yard. I said that. Talk about plantational. School to prison pipeline. That's what they say. Out in the yard. I thought you get yard time after you've been convicted of rape. You're just you don't just have raping tendencies. That's what they already whammo conviction. They Anthony Broadwater'd you, and then you get your hour of yard time under close supervision. Anywho, so let's see. Email number three. Email number three, hi Gus and callers. So I wrote a couple of weeks ago about my manager wanting weekly meetings with me to discuss my plans for my weekends. She deleted the meetings the following week as I declined them due to the fact that she has scheduled them during my training courses, which was probably deliberate. I thought that was the end of it, but no such luck. The meetings are back, but now include others in the team. My course has finished, so I can't escape. The purpose is still the same, so I'm back to making up nonsense to fill the time until the meeting is finished. Yesterday, I had a one-to-one with her. She informed me that our director will be returning from bereavement leave as her father died suddenly. I expressed my sympathy and said I could empathize as my father had also uh, died. I knew this was giving some personal information, but was okay with it. Well... That was her cue. Dun, dun, dun. She also expressed sympathy, then went on to encourage me to be vulnerable. Following that up with, and on that matter, but it's okay if I don't want to be. I'm always friendly and team focused, so she cannot accuse me of being aloof. I informed her that I was fine and that my father died a long time ago, so as to not give her any ammunition. She has a serious racist problem in other words I'm not behaving in what she sees as a stereotype for a negro and she doesn't know how to attack me much more to write in about next week thanks for the platform got your back gotta love Cheetos uh, I'm not surprised because everything about this because I'm sure she didn't just find out magically like oh my god really you're in training and that's at the exact time that I scheduled our meetings to talk about what we do on our weekends no anyway so they cancel it and they love to do that what did we talked about before? wasting your time okay so we'll get together and meet this Friday oh wait a minute no we won't do it this oh wait a minute we'll do it next Friday what is all this about? And now it's going to include other people. And we get together and talk about how we painted our toenails. We went to the park. What I didn't see. Now, also, this is when, what did I say before? Where we end up drifting off into, you know, I think Raul down in the break room is pretty attractive. I know I'm married. I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just that like, what? <laughs> I'm just here to talk about workplace things. There are about a billion things that I would like to know that would help me do my job better, get a raise, get a promotion, maybe get a nicer desk that you all allow me to sit in for the time that I work here. There are about a billion different things that I would much rather be chatting. I got training course that I just completed. Hopefully I have a whole lot more training courses come up so I can improve my chances of getting a promotion, getting a raise, not sitting around and 
Oh, what did you do this weekend? You have plans? Where are you going to go for your Easter egg? Like, are you serious? Are you flipping serious? This is just gossiping, really, just to sit around and gossip and all that sort of thing. Like, come on, come on, come on. And fishing for information. That's really all we're just fishing and fishing and fishing. Oh, your father passed away. Oh, well, if you want to tell us about it on the team, we'd love to talk about that. You can be vulnerable and let it like, are you serious? I did not sign up for this job. Nowhere is that in my duties and descriptions to talk to you all. How did I feel when my father passed away? Oh, my goodness. What did you all eat at the service? Do you remember what you wore? How did your mother feel? What was she wearing? Are you serious? Any of us could be fired tomorrow. What they say first hired last or first fired last hired. I could be out of here tomorrow. Somebody else be in my desk. Put that in quotes. And then I didn't talk to all this about my dad and everything. And oh, yeah, she's gone. Shame what happened with her and her father. Mm, mm, mm. Didn't even get to make up for that argument they had. <laughs> Are you serious? Come on. Come on. All of that is fishing. And as she said, racists generally get very nervous when they have non-white people who do not behave in the manner that they are accustomed to. They are accustomed to the nigger I speak and they psh, they are an open book. They are just chattering, 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 blah 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 personal statement because Gusty used to do that too when I was confused. And blah 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 and all of this and just talk 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 and I just ask them questions. They just tell me anything I want to know. Niggers that don't do that they ask questions or are quiet or are vague with their responses or just, hey, I don't do a whole lot of chatting. I'm a quiet person. I'm courteous, professional, but I'm not a chatty Kathy. Is that required for this job? No. Oh, OK. Well, yeah, we're good. Let me know if you need anything. I'm always here to help. But hey, I'm, I'm, I'm on mute, as they say. Working hard, mouth closed. Work twice as hard because I got my mouth closed. Mm, same thing that I said before. Hey, <laughs> and really. Whether you're chatty or not, guess what? Negro. So if I'm going to be a nigger either way, I'm just going to be quiet. Ask questions, get information as I need it. And no, I'm not going to talk about my family issues, personal life, all the rest of it. Just keep it work related. Strange nigra. Hmm. Still working on the emails. The number is 720 716 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh, other folks dialed in if we missed you totally if you have suggestions uh, for our scholar trying to get through uh, get her master's complete so she can do some teaching uh, if you have suggestions for her or any other commentary your own situation proceed can I be heard uh, yes, sir. Bright one. Yeah, this is Nick over the road. That's just another phone. Um, uh, greetings, everyone. Um, I was listening to the one about the, um, was he a, like a school bus driver or something like that? The, where he got pulled over and got the summons? I don't think so. I think he's still with us. I thought he said he was doing delivery driving because he was talking about that's how he gets. Oh, was just. Oh, okay. Okay. The straight, sir. If you're still here, feel free to you know hop in and set us straight if we're wrong. 
No, I thought he might have been in a commercial vehicle that was regulated or whatever. Um, but yeah, that um, yeah, just asking for a lawyer though. When they start asking you questions, that was a that was a pretty cool move. They get upset because they can't play with you. It shuts down all of their little games. It's like you you put they BS they you make them put they BS on the table when you shut them down with the lawyer question. That was a good one. But um, yeah, I'm gonna mute my phone. Uh, thank you for letting me speak. Much obliged. Memory might be incorrect. Uh, I don't remember if he gave the details if he was in his personal vehicle or if this was a commercial vehicle, but I know he said he was doing uh, deliveries uh, out and doing the parcels and what have you. Again, feel free uh, if you want to correct us or if we got it wrong, if Gus got it wrong. Uh, much obliged, Nick over the road. Uh, let's see, other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary to share, proceed. Folks taking a moment to get their thoughts together, what have you. I'll uh, sneak in another email uh, while folks are getting their thoughts together. Uh, B in Toronto wrote in. Uh, she says, uh, "Hi Gus, hope you all uh, hope you are safe and healthy." Uh, to give an update on the banking opportunity, it was ultimate ultimately at the last interview. I reached out to the branch manager, initially forwarded my resume, had requested, I had requested feedback regarding the last interview as I still didn't feel comfortable with how it went. The branch manager got back to me and told me that one of the interviewers felt that I was just looking for a job and that my goals were all over the place. I responded to the branch manager that it was odd as when asked at the interview where do I see myself in five years? I mentioned that I would like to work in the fraud department and that while starting out as a client advisor, I would be taking courses in private investigation and tech studies to apply those skills within the fraud department. The same answer I had given at the first interview that allowed me to advance to the second interview. I also informed the branch manager that I, that when I offered to show the last interviewers my accomplishments three times during the course of that interview, the interviewers declined all three times, which made me wonder if they really wanted to hire me. I reminded the branch manager of how she herself had seen my accolades of me being nominated in representing a credit union in Glasgow, Scotland, in addition to the commendation received by the CEO regarding the high quality service delivery I offered. I asked the branch manager if that sounded like someone just looking for a job. Uh, to which she agreed it did not. I informed the branch manager of how I was not even sent an invite until I reached out to HR to remind the interviewer of the interview for that day. I realized that gang activity happens most in the workplace. There have been many bank branches where it is mainly an all Indian Muslim staff or Asian staff or mixture of Indian Asian white staff. Very rare are their black staff. The whites 
Indians from India and Asians use a technique where they get their own people in the jobs without question and or challenge, literally running the block, the department and blocking black people from being hired. I have experienced gang violence in the workplace where you have to duck and weave every day from the racist and anti-black racist remarks. Attacks. The worst gangs are not in the streets. They are in the offices. They occupy and tag. B in Toronto. Very important because I think a lot of times when they give those sort of not ridiculous responses, replies in terms of, you know, I didn't get a response during the interview. And and I think also it's important to trust yourself. I think you can feel in terms of speaking to people and what have you or you sit if it's Zoom or what have you. You're answering questions, conversing for 30 minutes, an hour, however long the interview goes. You can feel that they're sincere. You know, are they really interested in in trying to evaluate and see? Are you going to be an asset? Are you going to be a plus for the company? Or are they just going through the motions, which we've talked about frequently when black people anywhere in the world, black people are going to be interviewed and considered for a job. Maybe we just do it NFL style. Yes, Brian Flores, come on in, have an interview. Let's sit down. I am tired and hung over. Okay, Bobby. Let's see. When oh you said Brian. Yes, Brian. All right, Bobby, let's get to it. Brian, I mean, I'm sorry. Let's get to it. Woo, I'm hung over. Uh what questions? Do y'all have any questions? I don't know. Brian, you make up whatever you like to talk about. Do you watch any games last night? I mean <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> Is this an interview? Not even exaggerating, like that's what Brian Flores said in his lawsuit that's current that Hung over, didn't seem serious at all, didn't know, you know, what time, not taking this serious at all. But we interviewed a Negra and, you know, we are concerned about diversity. That seems to be worldwide, maybe even if they have non-white people participating in the interview process so we can really make it look good. What do you mean racism was practiced? We had your brothers, your sister right there in the interview process. What do you mean? Nobody here is practicing racism you just weren't the best fit and then say well yeah you're just out here fishing you're not serious for this one you know make up all kinds of now that's another one that hey if I had been classified as white is that what they would have said I'm just out here fishing for any old kind of job and you know whatever great question too if that was the case how did I even get to the second round of interviews make up any old kind of uh, nonsense. Uh, Black get back seems to be worldwide, even sometimes if they include a small number of individuals who are classified as black, they had better be anti-black too. Very unfortunate, but seems to be a recurring pattern. Uh, Let's see. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Proceed. Hey, Gus. I just had a question for uh, the caller who said he took a, a mental health day. Uh, it's with you, the caller that was that uh, I want to say is about maybe a month or two ago, he was speaking about a black female who was always uh, making him the butt of the joke around his white coworkers. 
and uh, he wanted to address that. I was trying to find out is that is that the person who he had filed uh, the complaint against? That's my only question. Let's see. Uh, if uh, the male caller who dialed in and shared that, if he's still with us, uh, let's see. Did you have a situation with a black female worker where she was, I guess, making you uh, jokes? We've talked about anti-blackness. We've talked about a lot of uh, black female who was, I guess, ridiculing you or somehow in front of other uh, white colleagues, coworkers. Was that you, or was that different work, different caller? Yes, sir. That that is me. That is the same <clears throat> same uh, person. So yes, and the caller from Ohio, I believe, is accurate that it, that was me who called in before, and I took the steps to make the complaint. And uh, there has been talk in the office, uh, just I guess idle threats, but you know, just taking notes. And uh, and again, today was just a mental health day for myself, but the caller in Ohio was correct. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Very widespread, unfortunately, but <sighs> mental health day. Uh, would, I guess you said you made your report. Has it been resolved? Is it ongoing? Were you satisfied if, you know, they said this matter's resolved? Um, it is not resolved. I did receive a letter saying that I should not speak to this, uh, speak about this case to anyone. So I believe it's ongoing. <clears throat> um, I will inquire about the process. I submitted this report, I will say, about a week and a half or two weeks ago. So I will uh, inquire about the process or inquire about uh, the progress of the report. And I will let the viewer, uh, listeners know. Much obliged, sir. Whew. Mental health day. Mm-mm-mm. So sad. Have a code for that, too. White people calling you nigger. Unfortunately, might be non-white people calling you nigger, ridiculing you, that sort of thing. Oof. Minimizing conflict with other non-white people in the workplace and beyond. Crucial, crucial component of white supremacy, racism, and even doing this for the entertainment of white people. Oof. Talked about that over and over and over. Hey, Gus. I'll call I have a follow-up question for. Mm-hmm. I, what I want, what I want to find out is, uh, since I know Tim. He had stated that he wanted to, uh, I believe he wanted to talk to her first, or maybe that was that was some of the opinions that some of the listeners gave him. Uh, so my question is, did you consult with her first about her behaviors uh, before you took this action, or did you just say, let's, you know, see if she cools down and gets the message? <clears throat> to answer your question, um, this has been an ongoing thing for some time now and yes I did try to speak to her Um, unfortunately she was um, I guess she rejected the chance to talk in private about this matter Um, 
So I decided to take this course of action. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to hear what the outcome was. So I remember uh, he was speaking about it and uh, people, he had asked for advice on it. So it's good to hear what action he's taken. Black brother, like brother of hell. Mm, mm, mm. It's black male privilege, right? Black male privilege, that's what they said. That seems like when you should be able to just come in and, hey, black male raped five people this morning already man hush up and that's that like my fault my fault talk can't believe I playing around with a black male that didn't happen apparently recalcitrant trying to go talk to her one on sister is it possible that we get out of here <laughs> black male privilege black black male Woo. yes yes indeed uh other folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you all have commentary, that was Sydney Portier again, got three mentions today. Uh, other folks have commentary they would like to share. Uh, lines should be open. Proceed. Greetings, everyone. Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, I uh, just wanted to uh, give an update on a. Uh, on an incident that uh that took place down here uh the case between the uh special needs worker who was shot uh by law enforcement that represents North Miami Beach uh he was lying prone on his back with his hands up. Uh, uh, well, what he was doing, he was actually uh, supervising a special needs uh, person uh, that was playing with a toy, and he wandered out in the street, and somehow the police was called, and uh, the, the one of the law enforcement officers uh, stated that he suspected that the special needs person had a firearm and that was his reasoning for opening fire. Uh, said he was aiming at the, the, uh, person who was in special need. Uh, but he ended up hitting the black male who was the worker. Uh, the update is that the courts are no, no longer going to uh, uh, pursue the incident at all. Uh, and I'm, I've kept trying to figure out on why something like a shooting that that uh, it was, you know, treated uh, so so uh, incorrectly. And basically, from the start, he was charged only with a misdemeanor for shooting uh, this black male. From the start, he was the the the, the 
the only the, the the deepest charge that they put on him was it ended up being a misdemeanor. And the other the courts that he uh, appeared to basically, uh, of course, with the help of uh, the uh, affordability of uh, a union or law enforcement people who uh, would assist the uh, the person who did the shooting. Uh, the reason why I keep giving these giving that that description is because I don't know if this person was a white person or not. I would my guess that he's not a white person. He's a non a, a non white person that's not a black person that did the shooting. And uh so anyway, uh and the the last the last thing the the uh the report stated that he is going to try to get his job back. Which is not unusual. That that does happen uh uh a lot. Uh, matter of fact it's happened down here quite a bit. Uh in one case the law enforcement officer shot and shot one person and he was on a motorcycle and had a passenger and both of them died, were killed in the process. And, and he basically got off and I think got his job back. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's the update on that story. That's it. Pitiful. Quite pitiful. Uh, let's see. Just check in. This is from the Miami Herald, uh, the local paper for retired firefighters. Uh, neck of the woods, as they say. Uh, this is from Thursday, this report. Yes, yesterday, before April Fool's Day. Prosecutors on Thursday dropped the misdemeanor case, as he said, against a former North, um, North Miami police officer who was convicted for shooting at an autistic man holding a silver toy truck. The decision came one month after Miami appeals court overturned the misdemeanor culpable negligence conviction for Jonathan Alita, a case that drew national headlines as the nation grappled with a series of high-profile police shootings. Alita claimed he believed the man was holding a firearm and holding another man hostage during a standoff six years ago. Alita missed and instead hit and wounded the other man, Charles Kinsey, a therapist who was lying in the street with his hands in the air. Hands up. Don't shoot. Blackmail privilege again? Anyway, uh, I said, hey, uh, being healthcare worker, whew, very dangerous work. Now, this happened before COVID-19 even started, so... Lots of dangers that you probably couldn't even process uh, beforehand. But, I mean, if anything, uh, in terms of why this is a misdemeanor, black life doesn't really matter a whole lot. But lots of workplace hazards that you would have to think about, uh, especially if you have a job where you might have to call enforcement officials or what have you. Ostensibly, the enforcement officer should have been there to aid Mr. Kenzie, make sure that he's safe, keep his clients safe. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't in a system of white supremacy racism. I think retired firefighter had an incident where he said, hey, I'm out here helping to put out a fire. Life on the line. Flames is popping up everywhere, trying to breathe and could die and everything. Smoke inhalation. Police officer comes up. Hey. You steal that fire uniform? What you doing around here? <laughs> I'm tapping to put out the fire. <laughs> what? 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 Keep an eye on this one. You got 
raping tendencies, and he might have stole a fire outfit. <laughs> right. That's what you got, folks. Lots of things to be mindful of and trying to stay safe in your work environment. Like I said, especially if you have a work environment where enforcement officers may be called. You might even have to call them. Then you still got to make sure that you are safe after they have been called. Did, did I hear did I hear something about pornography in, in the uh, fire fire firehouse? Yes. Yes, you did. Uh, one of the news reports in Missouri, they had a uh, I think it was a white woman, but this was audio, so I'm not sure. But I think it was a white woman where she brought a court case file suit because uh, they said for years, plural, the firefighters, probably white men, had been circulating uh, pornographic content uh, of her doing something, I guess it was for a care mate, former care mate or whatever. They had been circulating these images and apparently she worked on the fire department. So she was having to work like next to people who had been trafficking these image pornographic images of her. And so she took this to court. Yes. Yeah, that was common uh, about the first, uh, my first, uh, I would say first 10 years on the job. That was, that was common of, of uh, pornography. Uh, the, the fire department uh, is unique as far as employment is concerned uh, from the standpoint that you employees stay with one another for 24 hours inside of a house, literally. A fire a fire station is a house with people living in it and everything that you have in your home, the firehouse has. <laughs> uh, even even things that that uh, would be considered to be uh, 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 something that shouldn't be in there, like firearms or or pornography, that sort of thing. The only way that it, it, it probably is went down to almost nothing now because of the advent of so many females with Day County Fire Department anyway. I, I would imagine with, you know, the smaller municipalities uh, in this part of the world, uh, they don't have that many females or none at all. And uh, it's probably the same as it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, but uh, one of the fire chiefs that was there uh, during the time when I was uh, on the fire department, uh, I think the last name was Donaldson. Uh, he was on a mission to hire a lot of females. And in turn, I think four, he, he got he actually uh, got the position, there's a national position uh, uh, ha- uh, that, 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 is, that is for the, uh, for the uh, government to put into place a firefighter. And he was the first person in that. I think it, 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 it came about after uh, 9-11. And he was put in that position. He, he was promoted to that position from Dade County Fire Department, but he, hired a lot of females, uh, when I mean by by a lot, considering uh, what it was in the past, as far as that concerned. And uh, and then, you know, as far as rules and regulations and whatnot, they kind of like tightened up on a lot of those things that was going on at the time. Uh, 
near the end of my time on the fire department. But uh, on the the first 10 years, please, it was like, you know, I put it in the young young people's uh, terminology, buck wild. If you had a if you had a beef with another guy, you you go out back and start fighting. <laughs> Lom go off, you jump on the truck, take off, you know that sort of thing. Uh, uh, drinking, smoking, and I'm not talking about cigarettes. <laughs> uh, you know uh, all of that, all of that. Even 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 uh, bringing your girlfriend over. Uh, at in the in the bedroom area, it may not have been a girlfriend, it may have been a, a paid a paid uh, a person. Uh, one of the fire stations is, a, is about a hundred hundred yards a, uh, away from a strip a strip uh, joint, and uh, so uh, all of those things you know were taking place back when I first got on. So yeah, that that was something that's kind of like on the unusual level than most people's uh, nine to five. That's it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That uh, unfortunately it's a whole lot of work environments where maybe they don't have the bunk beds and maybe you can't bring over sex workers and all that because you're not staying 24 hours, but a whole lot of that, those activities, unfortunately, are very common in a number of work environments. They uh, maybe not as full tilt buck wild since they're not sleeping over and such, but eh, it's buck wild enough that, uh, yeah, might want to have a strong code. And eat. like that's what I said, like, hey, I don't want to see it. You got any photographs, videos? Like, I'm cool. I'm good on all of that. Like, uh, I don't want to hear about it. Like, stories. That's why I said anything. Prudish reputation for being professional and prudish in the workplace. I'm not here to gossip. I'm not here to talk a whole lot of smut. Uh, professional. Other than that, I'm quiet. That's it. Y'all can do that amongst yourselves. Other thing, like, ooh, we, I would not want to be in that. And then something happens and I'm a black male. Oh, my Lord. Like, I know if nobody gets in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> like if it's been any sort of what you all were swapping images of what and talking about what oh, any black male, your name comes up in this. Oh, oh, oh I, I definitely distanced myself from it. Uh, definitely, definitely did. Also, uh, when I, you know, my off duty time, because I went to college to be a teacher. And actually, actually had to make a choice between a full-time uh, teacher and uh, with the fire department. But uh, on my days off, you know, of course, I still, you know, coach football on the high school level, and uh, was a substitute teacher. Uh, they had rigged up. They meaning the male teachers, physical education teachers. They had they had rigged up a camera that can photograph the girls' showers at the high school. Uh, and uh, once again, I distanced myself because, I mean, even, even, even in my younger days, it, was a, it always was a, was a warning sign that would come on in my head, you know, that, that would 
that would God be against the consequences of something of that nature. And uh, I didn't say anything. I just, I just avoided it. I just avoided the, the, uh, the talk about it or uh, the, the use of it, that sort of thing, uh, because they were reconstructing uh, the area at the time. So it was a lot of things that were, that used to be closed off that wasn't as closed off. And uh, it was some, some white physical education teacher uh, set up a camera, a camera uh, that can view in on the, I, I think they were saying view in on the, the girls' showers, that sort of thing. So, and uh, I'm pretty sure that happens a lot, even today. That that happens a lot even today, and like you said, the, the the workplace racism is if any black people involved, you better believe that they're going to be looking, going to be looking for you. But I managed to avoid all of that, all of that foolishness. Uh, it's it's good to have a fear factor <laughs> built within you, and you respond to it. <laughs> it'll keep you alive. It'll keep you employed. It'll keep you out of greater confinement. And uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Context of white supremacy, intelligent fear. Mr. Fuller's term, very important. I suspect it's probably a lot more of that. That's that's strong. Thermal. I said that's white supremacy culture. All that, you know, revenge porn, as they call it, and swapping, you know, nudes and all of that stuff. Uh, that that's white that Strom Thurmond I mentioned that it's probably way more of that stuff now just because of te- the technology they said everybody got a video camera basically in their uh, pocket I mean we talk about the USB recorders you know if you want to do audio recording for your workplace somebody's making racist comments and that sort of thing but I mean Jesus the amount of camera uh, we had I think uh, Nick over the road and folks were talking about they got the little cameras that you can get that look like a button or a pen, some of the pen even writes, so you could be totally fooled and it records. Like they got all kinds of goofiness that you can have rigged and live stream and all the rest of it. So I'm sure it's who knows, uh, rampant. But in, at the high school, not that it would be correct if this was set up, you know, for some adults, but I mean, at the that's a Strom Thurmond, Thomas Jefferson, Woody Allen, Frank. Sinatra, let me get Seattle, Mary Kayla Turno, deceased. But that's white culture, so yeah, I'm not surprised at all. That would be reflected strongly in the workplace, and apparently hard to root out in the workplace. Anywho, uh, folks got, we'll call it four, four minutes. Folks have any comments? Uh, we missed any folks uh, four minutes speaking of that it was a uh, black male teacher uh, just within a couple of days or yesterday something like that was in, was uh, arrested uh, and I don't I don't I don't know why he chose this profession uh, cheerleading coach I, I mean that, that's a yellow that's a yellow warning sign <laughs> you know 
Uh, but anyway, uh, he was arrested on, I guess, some kind of some charges of, of molestation. If it, if it, if any if anybody has a daughter or a son, but uh, a, a child involved into gymnastics or something like that, you better you better be sitting there every day, every day watching your child or like my uh my my older sister uh her and and the grandfather for their grandchild they they take they take their grandchild you know they take turns and take their grandchild to this gymnastic uh program and whatnot but they're sitting there and watching <laughs> because i mean in other words everybody remember about the stories that was taking place with the the uh the world class level people and that type of that type of things happen i mean big time uh, on 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 that level on the different levels of gymnastics and whatnot because they have these private clubs and whatnot that that type of thing set up set up for these children and, and out of those people's employees there's bound to be somebody that has that that type of sexual problem issue uh with children and uh so you better be watching everything that goes on you know in that type of atmosphere and uh that's all i have to say thank you lots of things to be mindful of for attempted parents uh folks satisfied workplace racism i didn't hear anything else related to workplace racism Was that uh, Bay Area mom? Sorry. Yes. Um, so the little boy that we're t- I was talking about, the one that the Filipino one. So what he thinks of himself is, he said uh, yesterday, "I'm a disgrace to the earth. I'm the dark cloud all over, all over the world. I'm just a face of doom." That sort of thing I would take serious like uh, when he says a dark cloud now I think that might even be in the word guide uh, Mr. Fuller a dark cloud over the earth I should kill myself now they've been saying suicide rates have been rising young children retired firefighters talked about it we've had guests on the program who talked about it they've had numerous reports where they talked about this over and over and over again said especially for black males now this is a non-white male but that's what they said seven bridges we just talked about him 10 years old and he committed suicide now what did they say happened to seven bridges being teased at school by his white classmates calling the same thing that they said to the bus driver calling him a negro and what have you I would that's why I said your mental health we had the call who said he had to take a mental health day for himself because he was not okay none of us are really I said take time for your own mental health take extra time for your children's 
mental health. I said that before, way before she even said that. I said, man, that's got to be black self-respect at zero. You're going around and talking about, oh, my gosh, these black people are heathens and criminals and rapists. Oh, oh, just look at them. I can't believe it. Oh, they don't do anything. Oh, I feel so sorry for you and your like that's the way that you're talking about black people and you're non-white. All you need is a good suntan. You'd be the same color brown. Oh, man. Black self-respect at zero. I already know what you think about you. And then confirmation. And then that's not just, oh, I feel bad. I'm having a rough day. That's not what he said. She said, I'm a dark cloud over the earth. I should just kill myself. How on earth? The same thing I said before. What? Why are you thinking that way? That's what Seven Bridges mom said. What in the world? How did he even get here at 10? What are you even doing thinking? Life needs to be over at this point. Like at 10? You haven't even seen anything. You don't even know anything. Like what is going on? Racism, white supremacy. Is, is it that much of a problem? It's that much of a problem. At 10? I thought President Obama said that the children. It's that much of a problem. Seven Bridges mom she said hey I didn't talk to my child about racism he's 10 years old what do you mean talk to him about racism I want him to be a child mistake she said that's not Gus T although I agree but she said mistake black get back better do what you can break it down listen to some Dr. Welsing put it on she was a general and child psychiatrist so I think even Dr. Welsing would say oh yeah they understand you can talk to them just put it on the same way that you explain fire that's dangerous right you know how to explain that to them do the same thing with white supremacy racism and again this will be an ongoing conversation so it's not like you got to be perfect you can tell them that I'm still learning this as well this is not a problem this is the problem. You can show them that page in the word guide. The problem of our lifetimes. Anywho, we'll be here tomorrow for compensatory calling. Hopefully, everybody will make it through April Fool's Day. You can hear the live stream on my blog racism-notes.blogspot.com post the address if you don't want to listen to your phone listen to the live stream there share it let other folks uh, we'll have other sites uh, shortly where people can also just listen online if you don't want to call in all that all the other sites uh, for downloading the archives will continue to be available hopefully we'll have even more so it'll be even easier uh, so we'll be here tomorrow commissary call in and then Sunday uh, Dr. Matthews at the altar of a lynching uh, talking about the lynching of Sam Hose, black male. Again, you should Google who is Sam Hose. You might not know his name, but I guarantee you, if you've seen lynching pictures, you're like, oh yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> Raping black what did I say? Black male rapist. Gotta keep an eye on them, those Sam Hose. You gotta watch them. Much obliged for all the folks who tuned in. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. We need high-functioning brain computers to solve our problems. Uh, in addition to being sober, if you're out and about, no confrontations with strangers. You should be thinking 
he, she could be armed, may have an armed entourage. If you didn't leave your residence, prepare to die and or kill. Exit. If you're in a vehicle, sober, buckled, we're not on the cell phone, just trying to do the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, and we need all of our attention. Very dangerous times. That said, Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing up thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim no brother problem. you're a victim right. i'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm -hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned <laughs>